one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When the clock strikes midnight, midnight. my contract comes to an end. I am leaving. I am leaving with the WWE Championship. Do I have everybody's attention now? I have the balls to say things that nobody else has to say. This company, inside and outside the ring, are filled with shameless ass kissers. Vince McMahon surrounds himself with yes men. Maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, 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 dead. John, you're the 10-time WWE champion. You're the man. You're a dynasty. I hate this idea that you're the best. Because you're not. I'm the best. There's one thing you're better at than I am. Kissing Vince McMahon's ass. If CM Punk defeats you, CM Punk the next day is going to walk into some other wrestling organization, see what I walked out with. I'm going to be embarrassed. I will not be embarrassed. I am leaving with the WWE Championship. CM Punk walks out of Chicago with this championship. John Cena. Strikes midnight. midnight. My contract comes to, an end. comes to an end. Say goodbye to the WWE title. Say goodbye to John Cena. And say goodbye to CM Punk. Hello and welcome to the Wrestle Ramble Extra Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I am joined by Lou Goen. Hello, $5 Swaft Nation backers. How are you, Oliver Davis? Are you excited for our first Wrestle Ramble Extra? I'm good because this is like the first podcast audio only thing yeah. we've done. And it's, it is, I mean, people at home probably don't care. But it is a totally different dynamic for me and you because we can actually face each other let's yeah. do it now Luke let's do it now let's, let's, let's turn, turn our uncomfortable our... seats round yeah. 
and we're kind of at 45 degree angles to each other now, which is rather how we, than the hard 90. Which is how we used to do mm. the old Flickering Myth podcast back in the day. Yeah. Uh, but let's let's dive into... Oh, you want to get straight for well, it? I mean, I w- let's get some background on the show, because oh, I, I okay. thought we could do like a little <clears throat> bit of talking about the show itself. Yes. Um, so... You, the Swafter Nation, and the rest of the WrestleTalk uh, universe voted on our poll that we put up on the WrestleTalk News and the winning pay-per-view. I was gutted this was the winning pay-per-view because I was... Put I was, it over, why don't you? So I was kind of hoping it was going to be something like Halloween Havoc 98 or Starcade or SummerSlam 2000. But I, but I knew as soon as we put up Money in the Bank 2011, this was going to win. And it mm. won in a virtual landslide. Um, well, it's one of the best pay-per-views the company's ever well, that, done. And that's it. It's because the, the theory is that this is one of the... And Dave Meltzer, in one of the uh, newsletters that I was reading from the time, said that it might be the best pay-per-view WWE have ever done. That was his uh, thoughts on it. And in fact, the, the feedback that this got, it was a 100% thumbs-up mm. feedback for that he got on this show, which is, which is incredible in this sort of day and age. In the last 10 years, that's nuts. I, yeah, well, I remember this very, very fondly. I said to you at the time, if this, I was, you know, WWE wasn't good uh, for a long time in the late uh, noughties. And then, you know, 2010, we lived through the anonymous Raw General Manager, Mm -hmm. celebrity guest hosts. And then Nexus happened. And I was like, ah, I'm back in now. That's good. You know, because I was sort of waiting. I wasn't watching every week. I was starting to miss bits and reading more online rather than actually watching it and becoming disenfranchised. And uh, then I started to get into Ring of Honor. I was like, screw WWE, especially after the whole Nexus angle botched. And then the Punk promo happened. I'd always watch Punk's bits because I I loved him all the way through his career. (coughs) And he was... He was so captivated on the mic. I was like, why don't they push him? Why don't they do this? And I was properly anti-WWE at this time. And then CM Punk cut that promo, the pipe bomb, about three weeks before Money in the Bank. I'm leaving at this date, which I roughly knew about because I I knew about the summer of Punk in Ring of Honor and that storyline. I was just so excited. I didn't know what was real. And I said to you uh, when we were uh, comparing notes and stuff, maybe... If it wasn't for this pay-per-view, and CM Punk in particular, I wouldn't be a wrestling fan right now. No, it's interesting. And that's a, that, that's kind of a common thread that you hear from a lot of wrestling fans. Um, there's a, another podcast there, the Anthony Dura podcast, that I put over a lot when we do uh, other shows. They were talking about this pay-per-view and sort of like, and um, like that WrestleMania period where... The Rock had returned. The Rock had come back. He'd had his match with John Cena. I think by this point he'd had he. It was the Miz Cena match that had headlined WrestleMania this year. I think I can't quite remember the mm. timeline of things now. Um, but it was like The Rock's return brought a lot of eyes back onto the product. A lot of lapsed fans who'd left in 2001. That those mysterious like eight million fans that just disappeared. It was Cena Rock one. Yeah, and like and that kind of like brought a lot of people back because Rock was hosting that year. He hosted That's WrestleMania. The yeah, 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 sorry. Him actually honest. being at WrestleMania brought a lot of lapsed fans fans back. But it was so Rock brought fans back. However, it was people like Punk and the Shield that kept mm. people watching. And it's true like as you said then like this pipe bomb promo and like when this ha- when that pipe bomb promo happened remember going into work the next day and i had people coming up to me who weren't wrestling fans who were maybe wrestling fans from like 10 years ago going like man have you heard about this promo that he was wearing a steve austin t-shirt it's steve austin coming back they then started asking me questions like i knew everything and i remember just being like just 
so into everything. Mm. I, at that point, I was listening to Wrestling Observer Radio, like hardcore, going back through the archives and stuff. Listen to that episode and be like, I can't wait to hear Brian Alvarez and Dave Meltzer break down this promo and talk about it. Can't wait for the newsletter to come out and read all about that promo. It really was like a a landmark promo in WWE. There hasn't been one like it since. And you haven't really had a guy that's been able to cut one like that since. Mm. Because Punk was that character that could do that because he was that disenfranchised character, the guy who should have been pushed further, who felt that he should have been pushed further, but never was. No one else could have cut that promo. But he was the right guy at the right time. And it was it just said everything I was thinking. Yeah. And, oh, I... I can, I can probably I can't recite it verbatim, but I I at one point I ripped off uh, the the audio of that and I put it on my playlist nice. when I was going to the gym. So every time I drove to the gym, I would have I'm the best on this microphone in that ring, even on commentary. No one can touch me. Yeah, I am the best. I think wrestler in yeah. the world. You know, he hey, made, ha- he made, hey, Colt Cabana, he how made you the doing? Point of saying wrestler as yeah, well. I'm yeah. the best wrestler it was so yeah the high cult cabana i'm gonna go defend this in ring of honor in new japan and i was like oh my god like yeah. this is this is nuts maybe and- i'll go back to ring of honor hey cult cabana how are you doing oh i'm breaking the fourth wall uh <laughs> what i'm trying to remember i think that leads into um breaking because i'm i'm gonna split just like brock split yeah uh and it- i'm a paul Heyman guy you know who else was a paul Heyman guy yeah and not like Dwayne. there's so many like, <laughs> sorry i could go on there's so many great moments in there because i'm like these people that are coming up to me at work the next day mm. being like because they were the guys like they cut off his microphone and it was when he was going to start talking about bsr they cut it off early yeah like they and like people believed a lot of like the I stuff in it. it yeah and i did i was watching it being like i'm tr- as a guy who was a smart fan and mm. i hate using that term but a smart fan because i listened to melter and i read the the newsletter and stuff there were times when i was like i don't know what i'm sure that vince signed off on this he had to have done that was like my internal logic was like vince had to have signed off on this because otherwise they'd have cut his mic off way earlier but there were other times i was like I can't believe Vince signed off on this. Mm. There has to be stuff where he's going off script here and Vince is losing his mind. But it was that good of a promo. It was that well-written of a promo. And I think uh, Punk and Vince essentially wrote it together. And that was like... that, And and that's why it's so good. Because it comes from Punk. It didn't come from a team of writers Mm. writing out verbiage for him. It was all him. And man, like, what a promo. There's always a bit that people forget, and I forget as well, about the promo. And that's where he, he turns to the fans, because the, the fans are cheering him. And he's like, no, 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 you're a bigger part of this as anything. Yeah. And he rags on the fans for a bit, like, coming up to me at airports at this o'clock in the morning, telling me to s- sign this thing so you can go and flog it on eBay. Yeah. And I was just like, like, at the time, I was like, oh, that makes me feel bad, because I was with you, but now you're insulting the fans. I thought you were being a good guy. Yeah. But now, like, in retrospect, what a genius move. He just vented everything. Little bits, like, they put up the copyright logo about 10 minutes before the end of the show, so, that, so they could just hard cut the end of the show. Mm-hmm. And it didn't even... Just to make it feel even more real, great attention to detail. It really was, and it led into... Uh, and this, what's very interesting about this promo, or this, uh, this pay-per-view, I should say, what's, what I find fascinating about this, as I sat down to watch it last week, uh, last Friday night I watched this show, I sat there and I, I was watching the show and I suddenly thought, I can't remember what the pay-per-view before this was or what matches were on this. I don't. I can't remember what the WWE Championship match was, the pay-per-view before this. Mm. I can't remember what the Intercontinental Championship... I couldn't even remember who the IC champ was. But I remember that Punk promo. Yeah. The 
well, I so I hold it in quite lofty regard because you know is because it saved me from being a, a, a non-wrestling fan. Uh, but on watching it, it is not perfect. Like the you, pay-per-view, or, yeah, yeah. You mentioned the 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 thumbs up, the hundred percent thumbs up, and uh, that's how it was in my mind. Yeah. You know, great money in the bank match. Great money in the bank match. Christian versus Randy Orton. John Cena versus CM Punk. However. Yeah, that's the thing. On the whole, the pay-per-view doesn't stand up to the nostalgic memory that I have of it. Did you watch this live? No, no. I took the day off work the next day. Yeah. So I could could watch it. And I remember being in my bed. I was was at home at this point. I moved home uh, because of a a very... uh, messy breakup and i you know wrestling was all what i had then it was it was ring of honor pizza every wednesday night for me that was my little hump day treat and uh, my friend dan i rang him up and i was like have you watched it and he was like i've i, I watched this morning before i went to work because he got up really early yeah and i sort of watched it leisurely you know from about 8 a.m to 12 to midday and i rang him up as soon as it happened and he was just like we good like what the hell's happening yeah and yeah so I, did you watch it live i then? did i did watch it live me and my friend i, I was working uh for a um a telecommunication company i'll put it that way mm. i was working for a telecommunication company and me and my friends um we booked the day off work the monday off work because we uh, we very rarely said this for b pay-per-views we were like we have to watch this live yeah we watched like all the big four we would get together and watch live and take the, the following day off work but this was the first time we were like, yeah, dude, we can't we can't do this. What we usually do, which is like we would watch it the next day. Mm. Um, but we we're like, we have to watch this live. And like, I have never popped so much during a main event for finishes or false finishes. He, he was living in my friend was living in a very small flat at the time. <laughs> and his girlfriend's now his wife. We kept her up all night because we kept yeah, because we kept shouting at the TV. We yeah. I, it was I've never felt like such a mark. And I, again, I hate to use that term, but I've never felt like such a mark. But I think I say that as a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Like I was sucked into this story. I was sucked into this storyline. And there's a moment during that main event, which obviously we'll, we'll get to when we, we go through the show. But there's a moment when Jerry Lawler is kind of like, he's playing the babyface commentator. And he's like, what I don't get are all these fans that are cheering for CM Punk mm. because he's leaving. If he le- he's walking out on you, He's not here to stay. Like, he doesn't care about you, and he's going to walk out. And there are people that are cheering for him. And in my mind, the, the fan that's sitting at home is like, yeah, of course, Jerry, because if he wins, it's the most, exci- it's the most exciting storyline possibility. Yeah. Because uh, me and my friends spent days, hours in the lead-up to this going like, if Punk wins, what if they like they have a deal with Ring of Honor? Yeah, And he's exactly. going to go there, and he's going to be defending it at Ring of Honor, or he's going to take it to New Japan and defend it there. I bet you they could organise relationships with those and set that up, and then build like a WrestleMania like return, where you do champion versus champion. We fantasy booked so much, mm. and I have never been this excited for a main event. Like, I don't think... And not since either. No, not really since. Yeah, it's the, yeah, it's the most excited... I've ever been outside my first run of being a wrestling fan you know, that, with the childhood innocence. Absolutely. And that is why, and you made the astute point there, that is why this had a 100% mm. thumbs up feedback. Because there was no way in hell anyone could have watched this show live and gone back and been like, that was rubbish. Because, as, like, again, you said the main event we'll talk about in detail, but what a story like yeah. in terms of you know people say stories they think of like this thing happened this week and then this person turned on this person it's the story within a match that you can tell so i mean and to be honest 
it's well I'm not going to say overbooked but it is heavily booked because yeah. a lot of stuff happens in that match twist turns false finishes run-ins cash-ins yeah and you're like if this was done right that could very very easily be an overbooked match but it was booked to perfection well, we had this recently when yeah. we were watching the New Japan um, Domination show with the, the, the Suzuki Elgin match. That's right, yeah. yeah, which just ended up being a really overbooked schmoz. And the feedback on that match was actually quite negative. Mm. People said, like, it wasn't a great main event and it was just an overbooked schmoz. That easily could have happened here. Yeah. But this pay per view, again, is one of those shows where it was the right place. It was the right time. It was the right guys. Like Punk Cena. Like CM Punk, the hero of Chicago, mm. versus the guy that everybody hates. Especially at that time. Especially at that time. Like, and it wasn't like 2006 levels of hate for John Cena, mm. but he was still, like, he was the hated man in 2011. He, I hated him more than, like, I just, everything I was, every week I would have a, he should turn, he should turn heel. Like, now <laughs> I... I get bored of those conversations with him and, and Reigns. Yeah. But uh, that was... I did not get bored of it back then. No, absolutely not. So I tell you what, shall we... Let's crack on yeah. with, with talking about this show then. Um, we'll talk about the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder or, match well, first. Do, do, I mean, I've, I've, even, oh, yeah. I've even gone back to... So, first of all, a great opening package. What a package. I've literally written here, great video packages, really putting over Punk leaving. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like, what are you going to say? Because there's another point I want to make about the video package as well. Well, it was just that the, they jump cut that promo and they put interference in. I am l- 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 leaving with the, the, the WE Championship. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just a... Do I have your attention now? Yeah. and But then, like, as this... this yeah, that bit was so great. good. Uh, and they play... I don't know if it's exactly the same before the match or if it's slightly... I tainted. think there's a slightly tweaked one yeah, before yeah. the main event. So <laughs> as I was watching this bit, there's a bit where Vince McMahon says... And if you don't beat him, you're fired. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. John Cena's career was on the line. Everyone forgets that point. And that's what I was actually, I've written on a point there. Has there ever been a guy fired and been back on TV more times than John Cena? Because this happened just like seven months before with Wade Barrett and the Nexus. Yes, exactly. And like, and he was back on TV the next night. Yeah. And spoilers, he was on TV the next night after this show. Yeah. Um, because that's how dedicated I was. I watched the Raw after this pay per view, nice. so I could take some notes on that as well. But yeah, John Cena was back on TV. What was the Rey Mysterio win tournament? Was it? The no, next it, night? it was. was that a few we'll, weeks we'll talk after. about it. we'll talk yeah. about it later. Um, but it's yeah, and I that's the, my only thing I don't like about this storyline was the John Cena's career mm. is on it the line. It didn't need it. It really didn't need it. And because Cole puts that over a lot on commentary, probably more so than Punk yeah. leaving, is like. This is a must-win situation for Cena because if he doesn't win, he hasn't got a job. But it's typical WWE, isn't it? Like, they really... I mean, they're like, okay, CM Punk's popular, but really, they want John Cena to be popular. Yeah. So they're they're trying their best to make it about Punk, but they can't help themselves. It's got to be about Cena at the same time. I'll tell you where it doesn't work either as well because Punk's whole deal was just like, I'm going to win that title, I'm going to take it to Ring of Honor on New Japan. But when you come around to the commentary during the match, you've got, like... Jerry Lawler going like if John Cena wins he's unemployed he's got nowhere to go I was like what but Punk has he's going to go to Ring of Honor yeah. Cena could go to Ring of Honor quite easily or go to New Japan there are other places to work Jerry not for Cena <laughs> Cena doesn't work in in what's he always armories <laughs> uh, so yes we had that uh, opening package and then it pulls out to the set and I forgot about the set for this pay-per-view as well which is you don't get it that much 
these days. And it's not like a massively inventive set, but you had loads of ladders and then two huge ladders on the stage. And then the Titan Tron was slightly done up like a briefcase. Yeah, very nice. Really, really cool. And it, we, we've said before that we missed like themed pay-per-view sets, mm. um, particularly like you look back at WCW stuff like Halloween Havoc and Bash the Beach and all that kind of stuff. But like, yeah, just like it's just like little subtle differences. Yeah. And every pay per view now just sort of feels and looks the same because they just use the same Titan Tron and Ramp. They essentially just pick up the venue that they were last in and just place it down in the next venue they're going to. When we went to Raw in uh, May, they didn't even have a black cab or red telephone box. No, mate. They got to cut back on. Um... It's racist, though, isn't it? <laughs> they got to cut back on money, though, haven't they? Because they can't even do pyro anymore. Mm. And, like, yeah, when the pyro kicked off, I suddenly realized. Yeah, pyro is important to pay-per-views, isn't mm. it? Just like just kicking off a pay-per-view with the pyro is really exciting. Uh, the, the then it starts to pan around the crowd, and this was you know I talked about uh, being in a childhood out a childhood state as an adult, being behind punk, and the cameras panning around a lot of adult guys. Yeah, a lot of like it was a different emotion. It was like a guttural, visceral anger. Yeah. Yeah, we're guys. And I was like, I'm a guy too. Yeah, punk. And it's it's really funny as well because all these guys, guys like you and I, guys that were there in Chicago, Mm. we were we have never really left wrestling. We were watching it in 2006, and we were watching up until 2011 and sort of beyond. But in that, that period, that five-year period of 2006 to 2011, when John Cena was on top all the time, we were the guys that were like, Cena sucks. We were those guys. So finally, we had like our hero, he, this this guy, this, this just coming out of the crowd. And it really did bring out this response. As I said, me and my buddy didn't watch B-shows live. But this show we mm. had to watch live. We were those like guttural. I really want Punk to win this match. He is my guy. And there's I, oh, what were you gonna? Oh, say? I was, was going to say because we get a lot. You know, we fantasy booking warfare requested like doing Punk's return, which I never really want to do, and I don't like to do the speculation of it. Is CM Punk returning? I'm kind of bored of that conversation. But watching this pay per view, it does like I now realise why, or I now remember why mm. people are so into like CM Punk coming back because. It did make me kind of nostalgic for that time when I was like, punk really did mean something. Back to the crowd. I think a lot of people got into wrestling of that age in the crowd because of Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. And Stone Cold Steve Austin is this badass, ass-kicking, beer-drinking, boss-beating, upping son of a gun. <laughs> yeah. And and they like that's when we got into it, right? And they all stuck with it through those hard times, like you said. A lot of people left. But they've had to endure five years of the bluest of blue-eyed baby faces oh God, wasn't in he John Cena. Yeah. And they just want someone real and someone who appeals to that sort of grungier edge of wrestling yes, and adult absolutely. fandom. And here it was in punk and it was just a big old gang of blokes. <laughs> it was a big arena of blokes wanting CM Punk to, to but win. But there were Cena fans there. Front row. Front row. Maybe we'll talk about that when we get to the yeah. main event. So let's talk about the, the SmackDown Money in the Bank oh, ladder I, match. But oh, even before you do that. Oh, there's even more to go <laughs> this through. This is an in-depth podcast. I love this. Uh, so, uh, note here, all the guys. <laughs> CM Punk ice cream bar signs. Yeah. The- this is part of the, the build-up. Uh, uh, yeah, CM Punk said, I want, you know, a private jet if you're going to keep me. Yeah. I want this thing, this thing, this CM thing. CM Punk the movie. Yeah. That face he pulls after that as well is great. That's a gif. In the, in, <laughs> yeah. uh, in the making and he he says ice cream bars I want CM Punk ice cream bars I 
bought a CM Punk ice cream bar T-shirt. Did you really? You were that guy. I, I was that. I've seen a few other guys <laughs> wearing that exact same T-shirt at progress shows yeah. when I've been wearing it. And um, we had a moment. Sure, yeah. sure we did. Uh, so, the, yeah, a lot of people holding up signs with of the ice cream bars. The first dude they cut to, and you can see him, he's near the announcer's desk, just has a sign that reads Ponce. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fair play. I get, but don't, don't quite understand this one. But he was really into that sign. He was well into that yeah. sign. Was he sending near um, Brock Lesnar guy? Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah, in that area. And everyone was standing for yeah. a lot, like... Yeah, because people sit down a lot most of the time for a lot of the matches. Everyone on the floor was up. And like the signs in the crowd as well. And it's really, so many signs. It's really yeah. interesting listening to, to Pritchard on um, the Sons of Wrestling podcast. I think it's the the SummerSlam 2000 episode we were talking about that. And uh, Pritchard was talking about how like WWE hate signs. They hate people bringing signs to arenas. Mm. Like, well, they must love it now because no one brings signs really anymore. But if you go back and watch like a Raw from 1998 or 2000, it is Sinomania. There's signs everywhere. And I forgot like how, lo- how long that tradition carried on into. Like into 2009. I thought it died up a, a, like a long time ago. But there were more signs here than I remembered there being. Well, it's probably because all those fans from the Attitude Era felt emotional about something. Yeah, it's again. very true. And they, they put in the time. Because, like, what should, you know, you pay your money to go and see a show. You're obviously a fan. But you're really committed, ardent fans. I'm going to spend an afternoon making a sign. Yeah. Maybe some of them, let's be honest, five minutes making a sign. (laughs) And it's just another level of commitment. Yeah. And yeah, when you're into something, I guess you do. The only other point I wanted to make before we get started on the matches was the commentary. Yeah. uh, I mean, Dave Meltzer wrote in the Observer review of this episode that the commentary was bad. And he really bad. was right. Yeah. This commentary. Like, and, and it's the commentary team that we almost have now, which is uh, hmm. Booker T, Cole, and Jerry Lawler. But Booker T on this show. He's is, overbearing. Oh, he's speaking nonsense a lot of the time. This is when he just started. Mm. This was like early Booker T on commentary. So he's trying to get over gimmicks like his Faye Five, because that's what he was doing on SmackDown, where he had like five guys that he liked. And he was constantly changing the menu. He's like, it's my Faye Five, man. He won my Faye Five trying to get that over as a gimmick which didn't take off but he's just saying nonsense mm. absolutely nonsense i think dave Meltzer, i haven't got the exact quote here but wrote down the booker t experiment has to end <laughs> the i mean booker t was bad lawler was so so didn't really lawler didn't much. care there's yeah. actually a point in the smackdown in, uh, the smackdown money in the band ladder match where he didn't know what the storyline was between some of the characters mm. i'm actually going to bring it up in the match because it really made me laugh but he just doesn't know what's going on. He doesn't know any of the storylines that, that are happening. The worst thing, though, for me, yeah. is Michael Cole. Because I forgot this was the time. It wasn't full-on heel, Michael Cole. He'd stopped being full-on heel by this point. And so he was just picking he, picking wrestlers he didn't like. Yeah. Babyface wrestlers he didn't like. So Daniel Bryan and Alex Riley are the most noticeable. Where because, he'll they, just, because they hadn't feuded with The Miz. Yeah, and he was behind The Miz. Uh, and it's just... It really stinks. Like trying to make your lead commentator, your play-by-play guy, the person the listener and the viewer is meant to trust, the person who's meant to sell all your pay-per-views, the guy who's meant to be credible, and he's siding with people who lie and cheat the heels. But it's just, it was 
I mean, you talk about the dark times of 2010 mm. and, and the early 2011, and part of that really was heel Michael Cole, yeah. just burying baby faces and calling them all nerds because that's like it's like oh he's just like all those idiots online. So it's talking about like people who are in the arena watching these shows, like oh yeah. they're all just nerds and internet trolls. Whereas the guys like the Miz, he's a star, he's great, and that that heel character did sort of it died off after WrestleMania when he had that awful match with Jerry Lawler mm. I mean if we ever got around to reviewing that Wrestlemania I could spend a long time talking about that match because the it's the easiest to book match since McMahon uh, Bret Hart and they managed to screw both of those up all that match needed was like a punch from Jerry Lawler pile driver one two three that match went 25 minutes 25 minutes was Jack Swagger involved yes it was, was a tag match right no no it was a one on one match but Jack Swagger was like Michael Cole's coach and he was, uh. and they had like Austin as the referee and you had JR on commentary JR finishes off that match with saying finally <laughs> finally and um, uh. but yeah so you, so the Michael Cole heel character had died off and he went back to being a baby face because the dumbest thing about that was he was a heel but still cheered John Cena mm. um, here so he's now still it's like a, basically a baby face but just still rags on Daniel Bryan and Alex yeah. Riley. And I'd forgotten about it until Daniel Bryan came out. And he was like, oh, look at this nerd. Look at this idiot. Look at him. And I was like, oh, I'd forgotten all about this. This is awful. It's really bad. And it, it's it's not as bad as full-on Michael, uh, yeah, heel, full, Michael full, on heel Michael Cole. Because that is just awful to listen to. Like, it's it's vomit in the ears. Yeah. But in, in a terms of believability and just impact... It's worse. Yeah. Because he's flip-flopping between these two personas and it just, it discredits everything he says. 100%. Yeah, yeah it's really bad. Especially because Brian obviously goes over in this this SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match. And he just, every time Daniel Bryan's like climbing over the ladder, he's like, no, no, someone stop him. Someone stop him. And then in the, 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 the Raw one with the Miz, it's like, come on, Miz. Come on, Miz. It's like, jeez, it is. Mm. It, you're right. It's vomit in the ear. Uh, and the only other thing I wanted to say was right next to that announcer's desk was the anonymous Raw general manager I podium. I did not see it until the main event. Yeah. And it was during, there was a moment during the main event, I saw that podium and I was like, oh my God, this is still anonymous GM. Yeah. This still, that did not go away for a while. It really didn't. A storyline that they just were making up on a week to week basis and had no end in sight. Which turned out to be Hornswoggle, who happens to be on the really crappy poster for this pay per view. Yeah, it's it's Hornswoggle and Big Show, right? Like like the uh, opening a story. Yeah. Uh, like a book before them, and Hornswoggle's in like a little sleepy outfit, and so's Big Show, and they're both like, oh, look at this amazing story. It is. An abominable poster for what was the coolest pay-per-view they've ever done. And the coolest storyline they had yeah. going. Like, the storyline going into this match was not Hornswoggle and Big Show. It was CM Punk and John Cena. But when we put the poll up on the, the WrestleTalk News episode, and our editor put in that image, that poster, when you were going through the things, I thought he'd put the wrong image in. Mm. I genuinely thought he'd put the wrong poster. I nearly said, I, was like, I don't think that was the poster. No. It can't have been the poster. So, finally, the actual pay-per-view, the actual matches... The show kicked off properly, well, I mean properly, you know, the bit where people wrestle, with the SmackDown Money in the Bank match. This was back in the time of the first brand split era. They made a big show of this being only the ninth Money in the Bank match of all time. Isn't that crazy to yeah. think? And what like, was surprising me about this was, A, 
it felt like there were loads of people in this match. Mm. It was just like entrance after entrance after entrance. So but it was all, eight. It wasn't even the traditional seven. Yeah, it just felt like every time someone had come out, there was another person and then another person. And also, a lot of firsts, they kept, they were really putting over. And it felt like, you know how SmackDown is now, the land of opportunity, and it's kind of like where that's the wrestler's show and Raw mm. is the more story-driven show, although there's not actually that much wrestling on SmackDown these days. It kind of felt like that was always the case. And it, it was the case back in the day, like when they first did the brand split. And it, like still here, because it felt like all these guys, these were the young and upcoming talents. These are the guys that we're developing that will eventually move over to the A-show on Raw. And that's when they'll become stars. Yeah, because this was, I suppose, before NXT. Yeah. You just had, was, I suppose, FCW at that time. You did indeed. One year ago uh, for this was Nexus. Yeah, yeah, and which yeah. is stunning as well, considering the in this match you've got Wade Barrett and you've got Heath Slater and Justin Gabriel, and you're like, man, just around about a year ago, you guys were like the hottest thing mm. in this company, and now look at you. Yeah, rounding out the selection, of course, you've said the the ex Nexus guys at this point. I think they've gone through the core they as well. Had gone through the core because this is when uh, there was during the point in this match when Jerry Lawler says, uh, "Oh, it looks like the core might be splitting up." It actually split up a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And, yeah, classic. Classic. <laughs> classic. Brilliant commentary throughout <laughs> this. Classic, this Jerry. I've, there's so much. Like I feel like every other spot, I've also got a note that says a line of Booker T's <laughs> to point out. So we also have Sin Cara. We've got Seamus. This was his old music. Yeah, it, lobster face. It's a shameful thing. Lobster head. Yeah, lobster head. I got yeah. it wrong. Lobster face. Too many limes. Head. Too many limes. And uh, he was a baby face. Yeah, you tend to forget baby face Seamus. It was the longest iteration of, of Seamus. It went on for ages. We talked about it not too long ago on the main Wrestle Ramble show, which was when Seamus was just put in there and he was made WWE champion. Yeah. I, was that before this? Well before this. Whoa. Well before this, yeah. That's crazy. Uh, you had Cody Rhodes rocking his face protector mask gimmick. Yeah. He was kind of like the handsome prince thing, and he was protect. I think he did fracture his orbital socket. That's right. He was dashing Cody Rhodes. Yeah. And then he, he got his face kicked in, I think, by Rey Mysterio doing mm. the 619, yeah. if I remember the story correctly. That is true. And then he became this uh, this kind of like, this was, was this around the time, or was it later on that he'd start becoming like the, the pantomime villain? It was around this time, yeah, yeah. and he'd hand out the masks to other people in the crowd. Yeah. I think this was before, though, because he didn't wrestle the match with it on, did he? I can't remember. I can't yeah. remember either. Uh, and uh, we had Kane. This was his fifth Money in the Bank match. And if- so at this point, Kane had wrestled in over 50% of all <laughs> WWE Money in the Bank matches. He's like the benchmark, really, isn't he? Because like I was watching uh, Royal Rumble 2007 earlier. And they pointed out on that 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 rumble when Kane entered was his ninth consecutive Royal Rumble. Like, he's just like, because he's always been there. He's a consistent man. He is a consistent man. Yeah. Uh, he's a machine. He's a consistent machine. And he never really a got... A big red one. And he never really got his retirement moment. I think he'll come back as Libertarian Kane. <laughs> doing a, like, a, a sort of Drew Gulak gimmick. <laughs> no fire. Well, that's what I want him to do. I want him to do a really safety-conscious comedy Kane gimmick. Yeah. Did you see, because uh, he's running for office, I can't remember what office, I think it's a mayor, a mm-hmm. mayor role, and he, uh, what one of his campaigns was this fire safety announcement. So funny. And even in his, his logo, his campaign logo, yeah. it's got a little flame in the background. <laughs> it's not, it's not uh, centre, but 
Yeah, very good. And rounding out the eight is Daniel Bryan. Oh, man, with Cole burying him no end. Yeah, so as soon as he comes out, and this was when I remembered, oh, yeah, Michael Cole's going through his really annoying baby face run. Cole just goes, oh, I guess even nerds are allowed into this <sighs> match. Like, how long have you known about the lineup for the match? Yeah, there's a line. Just find out about him. There's a line later on when uh, he says, "Oh, it's revenge of the nerds around here." When mm. Daniel Bryan starts to like fire back. Also around this time, because this is this is new. This was the old Sin Cara. This is Mystico Sin Cara when he came in with all the pyro and ballyhoo yes. of being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. "He's going to be our next big Mexican star." Not tough Sin Cara. No, who, it's... who beats up Chris Jericho on buses? No, it's not. This is old Sin Cara. Uh, and he, he uh, yeah, and he is over, uh, to, to steal the phrase from another podcast, he is over like Rover. Yeah, he's like, yeah, there's a, the, well, I've got a little note here. Original Sinkara wears his tattoo. Oh, <laughs> of course, that's a, it's Hunico, isn't it? It's Hunico now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but the presentation did work. Yeah. Well, you know, it worked for the entrance, did not work for when you keep the blue lights on the ring during the actual that match. That was that's kind of started what kill uh, Sin Cara in the first place. Mm-hmm. Also, as well, like he really struggles to like convey emotion. Like I know, like he's got the full face mask, so it's difficult to do your thing. But he mm-hmm. does nothing with his body. Yeah. Like you could tell that already at this point, he'd kind of already, he'd stopped caring. Oh, I, because but he, he had a really fiery run on this. He does, but when he when he takes bumps and he's just lying on the outside. He j- he'll take a bump and he'll just sort of lie there, kind of motionless. He doesn't really like. He doesn't do any selling with his with his body, which you need to do when you're wearing a mask like that. Yeah, that's a good point. He uh, well, when he comes out, of course, he's got the music. He's got the trampette. He isn't just really good at jumping, people. <laughs> he jumped off a little mini trampoline, and uh, so this is my first Booker T note. Mm-hmm. The fireworks go off. So you know, it's part of Callisto's. I think it's you when say Callisto. Hit- Sorry, that's uh <laughs> They all look the same to me, <laughs> these masked luchadors. All right, Trump. <laughs> Build a wall! And, uh, well, they'd probably flip over it, do a high spot. <laughs> and, um, uh, but, yeah, so the pyro goes off. I think it's when Sin Cara does the yeah, jump yeah, in. Yeah. And Booker just goes, yeah! <laughs> like, he screams, yeah! And I'm like, oh, God! <laughs> he is not going to let up for the rest of I this show. I have written in my notes here, Booker T is hyped for this match. Yes. <laughs> He's so excited. Uh yeah, but I and it was like this was a this was a cracking match. Was, yeah. Like, th- I mean the whole pay-per-view apart from one match is surprisingly very good. Yeah, I really enjoyed this match. The uh do you want another stat? Yeah, I do. So want of course, half of the people in this match were ex NXT guys. Daniel Bryan be the other one along with the Nexus. And uh it's quite an international flavour. So you've got Seamus from Ireland, Justin Gabriel from uh, South Africa, Wade Barrett from England, Sin Cara Mystico was from Mexico, and uh, I guess if we're going to go all out here, Kane is from Spain. He, well, he's from hell. Kane was, Glenn Jacobs is born in Spain. Oh, really? I didn't so know that. So that's five international people. Yeah. Um, and it's, do you know what the other point I, I wanted to, to make about this, just, but we, I know we're kind of sort of talking about the match. We're kind of jumping all over the place. We don't really have a flow yeah, for this sort of thing. we don't know what yeah. we're doing. Um, but the music around this time, like entrance music, oh, yeah. so bad. Like, I think it was just one long track. It really was. Like, no one has a memorable theme with the exception oh, of Mr. Brian. 
Uh, yeah, but even then, it was like the rubbish version mm. of his theme music. It wasn't before we got like it's not the one that we know now, which is like the wow wow wow. This was just a the, the, the proper the proper, proper ride of the Valkyries, and it's just all Wade Barrett's music. Oh, good, it's so generic and yeah. forgettable. It's it's no wonder some of these lads didn't get over. And uh, do, do you want another stat? Oh, go on, hit me with stats. <laughs> so half the people have gone. That's so, right. So, yeah. so get, there's a there's a caveat to this. Uh, so of course the original Sin Cara's gone, Wade Barrett's gone, Justin Gabriel's gone, uh, Cody Rhodes has gone. So that's four actually, and Daniel Bryan has retired. Mm-hmm. So that is five out of these eight. Kane's men. technically he's yeah, not really wrestling yeah, these days. Yeah, I guess days. so. I guess so. So and this was really meant to show the future of the company. SmackDown, like you said, almost the developmental NXT brand yep. feeding into Raw, and they did such a good job building everyone up. That Kane uh, and Heath Slater are the are the only people, and Sheamus. I guess Sheamus. Sheamus is absolutely came absolutely, out yeah. right. That, that Can I uh, tell you my favourite uh, moments from the commentary on this match? Do tell. <laughs> which was awful throughout. I, I hasten to add. But there's a moment during this when Michael Cole is talking about Daniel Bryan being a nerd, mm. and he starts going off on one, and then it's either Jerry or Booker points out. That Cole was a cheerleader in high school, and I the, didn't know that. No, I did not know that either. But the three of them just stop watching the match and just bicker amongst themselves for what feels like five minutes yeah. about whether or not being a cheerleader means you were a nerd in high school. It's awful to listen to. So this is another thing that you, you kind of wipe from your memory just for uh, to to cope with life's sake, and that's before the brand split last year. WWE commentary was woeful, mm-hmm. like really, really bad. And it's not stellar now, right? But before the brand split, they wouldn't they wouldn't commentate on the match. Just they the- just talk to each other. Yeah, and it was infuriating. Baseball, it works because there's not much going on, and then you talk about the action. But in a wrestling match where you're meant to be actually telling stories, you can predetermine stuff. <laughs> It, it, like there's no point to fill in time like that because the action's there. You're meant to accentuate it, not distract. And yeah, that's that was really in effect here in 2011, wasn't it? Just and uh, <laughs> the note I had about this match is why did Wade Barrett never change his finisher? It is the worst. Oh, I like Wasteland. No, the Wasteland. It's so. It, there's no well, impact. He, did. he became the Bullhammer. Yeah, that's right. But I, I don't know why he didn't change it instantly because mm. it just became. It never got over. And it's so there's no impact to it. I, but I guess you're coming down from quite a way. Yeah, yeah. It just felt like there was I never. never I never liked the wasteland. It was not much better when he when he did the bullhammer. That was a much better, especially finish. with the red. Yes. Uh, elbow. Oh, pad superb! Reveal. Yeah, yeah that great. Was really good. Why was he never world champion? I don't know. If only someone mailed in and asked us that question, <laughs> and we could answer it on a wrestle ramble. So I've just got, I'm going to just run through my notes as a quick mm-hmm. uh, play by play of the high spots. Please do. So yeah, I think that's a good way to do it. So uh, you, there was a dive section pretty much early on. Five, six years before Randy Orton uh, publicised the dot, 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 dive mentality. mentality. Uh, Brian did a dive. Gabriel did a senton on Kane to the outside. Slater did a crossbody. And then Sin Cara off the top turnbuckle to Sheamus on the outside. Spanish, like, Sin Cara was on fire throughout this. Because then he gets Brian on the top rope. And he does this awesome-looking Spanish fly. So awesome. And uh, I, I, like... What a brilliant move the Spanish flies. Oh, yeah, it's great. 
and I'm surprised it doesn't get used more in WWE for how fantastic it looks. Well, it's, I, it's used a lot on the indies and ROH. I remember when uh, when Paul Burchill came into WWE, when he was, uh, before he had signed to WWE, that was his finisher. He used to do the standing mm. Spanish fly, and he used to call it the C4. And I just thought, I'd never seen it before. And I was like, yeah. this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. When he, if he gets signed to WWE, this is why way back when, it's like, if he ever gets signed to WWE and he does that move, that's, he's going to be like the biggest dude ever. And then he came into WWE, did, never did that move, and then became a pirate. Uh, and did some weird incest stuff. Ah, uh, but it was never fully said to be incest, Arr, though. It was never fully incest. <laughs> it was just a peg. Uh, so, the uh, what were we talking about there? I got distracted by incest. <laughs> like Vince McMahon at a creative meeting. Like a Riley Reid video. <laughs> so, we, uh, that, I don't know who that is. <laughs> the, what was it? Oh, yeah, the, the Spanish fly. It's kind of like the Canadian destroyer. Where at first I'm like, who who was hit by that? <laughs> who got the worst of that? I always had that with uh, Big E's uh, the big ending. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah. like, I don't think you've actually hurt anyone Did with he... that move. They've fallen on you, if anything. Take a back bump on his shoulder. <laughs> I like the big ending. A lot of people give that shtick as well. Yeah. I, I think it's you know you're dropping a guy onto your shoulder. Is that from... what it is? That's what I always kind of explained it in my head. Uh, so yeah, that lots of high flying moves, and then Seamus power bombs Sin Cara through a ladder draped between the apron and the commentary table. And he like because this was, I think this is when Sin Cara started to get a bit of a name for himself of just constantly saying he was being injured because he gets carted out of mm. this match, and then further down the line from this, you had the moment with Del Rio when he dislocated his finger yes. and called a match off. And I think this was really the start of getting that reputation. So this like, wasn't a planned spot. I don't believe so. No, because he like usually when you do this spot, they come back out at the end. But yeah. that didn't happen here. Yeah, and that would be silly considering what happens in the Raw Money in the Bank match. Yeah, exactly. Very yeah. thing. Uh, he sold it. I like the way because Sin Cara was having a hell of a run here, um, which is why I think, like, if he was being taken out there, I, I, to me it looked like a, a an injury spot. spot rather than an actual injury. I don't recall it being one. Plus, the way he sold it, he was essentially doing jazz hands. <laughs> Do you remember this? He was powerbomb through it. And you know how some people sell the nerve damage? Yeah, Devon does that a lot. Yeah, Devon like Dudley. they just flip on the ground. Rock used to do it as well, yeah. like just spasming out. Vince McMahon does it a lot. And Sin Cara was just laying on this broken ladder, like looking dead, not really doing anything else with his body. That's my point. Well, he was doing something with his hands, yeah. which was both forearms up and just waving his hands from <laughs> side to side jazz like jazz hands, hands. Uh, so that was a bit distracting he was stretched off uh, but he was really getting over before then and that's when Wade Barrett starts commanding his former core Nexus whatever members Heath Slater and uh, uh, what's Justin Gabriel but uh, they're doing they're doing his dirty work for him and then he goes to climb the ladder and then you get it's a nice little story you, know, you, get, you tell these stories through uh, multi-man matches like this and they're like Wait a second. And they pull him down. The crowd then start to chant for CM Punk, even though this isn't the CM Punk match. Back in the day, it was still a thing. We're slightly bored. CM Punk, CM Punk. Uh, yeah, it meant something quite different back then. It's amazing that they never really did anything with the core. Considering that like, they, they did that spot in the Rumble from this year when you had the Nexus squaring off against the core so you had like the original mm. nexus group squaring off against this new version this splinter version of that group and it always felt like they were building towards this wrestlemania match that never happened and then they just disbanded the core 
And they all sort of went their separate ways, and none of them got over. Yeah, it's well, Heath Slater did. <laughs> yeah, in his own special way. <laughs> his own special it's, way. And Ryback, I suppose. But Ryback was out Ryback was, for a long time. I was going to say Ryback was was well gone by that yeah. point because I think by this point the the Nexus. Uh, this uh, remember when CM Punk's the leader of Nexus at yes. this point? It's yeah, yeah, never yeah. mentioned. Um, but next at this point, I think it's like Michael McGillicutty who's at Curtis Axel now, and it's um, uh, Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt. Um, oh, what was his name? Husky name. Harris. Husky Harris. It was Husky Harris before he became I used Bray to Wyatt. Love Husky Harris. And it was Mason Ryan. Oh, big guy. Yeah, the yeah. Welsh Batista. Yeah, apparently everyone thought he was going to be a big deal. It's because he looked just like Batista. Yeah, and then he... Re- but like a bigger version yeah. of Batista. <laughs> and a Welsh one. And then he wrestled. He also had a stupid voice. I remember that. <laughs> but I, I remember quite actually taking to Mason Ryan. Because he, he was a bit... He was quite quick-witted on promos. And, mm. Yeah, I, I liked him. Uh, but yeah, he couldn't move. Because he had <laughs> so much muscle impeding in his body. Um, so, But just imagine having someone so over that the crowd chant for him when he's in the main event of that show I was gonna say, in another the, match bearing in mind like this pay-per-view this crowd are here to see one match mm. there are other matches on this card but they're not really interested in those matches unless it's Daniel Bryan because they come unglued later yeah. on in this match but excuse me they are only interested in seeing this in seeing CM Punk beat John Cena I'd say the Christian Randy Orton match as well they're very much into yes but they they're are not there to see they're it. not yeah, see yeah. It. they're not there to see it um, that's then, my point then it goes into a doomsday device spot uh, from Kane onto Brian on Sheamus's shoulders lovely so I, lo- I love the uh, the clothesline that Kane does from the top right yeah uh, LOD chance can I say because it's Chicago uh, and then Kane chokeslams <laughs> everyone uh, Slater Slater gets like a surprising amount of heat yeah whenever he goes for the, the ladder ev- the whole place is booing him he's like the genuine heel of mm. this match which is weird considering he's now the ironic baby face yeah yeah the I got kids yeah and before that he was over this you know 3MB and all that jazz uh, there's a botched spot here when Wade and Seamus tried to uh, so S- Slater's in the corner do you remember this mm-hmm. bit yeah yeah and he's on a ladder and what it seems like they're trying to do, uh, Seamus and Barrett, that is, former le- future League of Nations <laughs> yeah. fellows, <laughs> is lift the ladder up uh, with Slater on the end and kind of use the ladder to dump him out. Yeah. Like the ladder's this giant extended arm that they have and dump him out onto Kane. However, physics makes that <laughs> very hard because, you know, a weight at the end of a pivot is so much heavier when it's further away from the pivot. And he couldn't have been further away. It's one of the large ladders. Yeah. And it just does not work. He kind of lops onto the rope and then falls off onto Kane. So that was fun. Yeah, the, the, there's a lot of times when you, these happen in ladder matches, particularly around this time as well, when they try to do something new and inventive. They've always got to try and like up themselves from, from the previous ladder matches. And then they try things like that, which don't really work. And it's uh, it looks a bit silly. Yeah, it's uh, it's I guess it's because you've got two ladder matches in one night. Yeah. So you do have to try and... Uh, chuck everything up i think he was he was either meant to be dumped onto kane or they're meant to like start to bring him up and then he jumps onto the upright ladder yes and yeah. then tried to make a grab for the title and he stopped uh but something obviously went to went awry because then sheamus just just broke kicks everyone <laughs> yeah. and it's like is I don't, this doesn't feel like part of the plan yeah you just broke kicking everyone that was a uh, sheamus calling the spot there where it's like we messed up but i need to look good i'm gonna, yeah. gonna broke kick everyone hey, come here fella fella you <laughs> uh 
Uh, then Seamus, slammed by Kane, off a ladder, onto a ladder. Ouch. Which is wedged into a turnbuckle. Uh, and then everyone teams up to take Kane out, which is a nice story. I always love those spots. Yeah, yeah. All the all the guys versus the big monster. Yep. And the final thing that takes Kane out is Justin Gabriel's beautiful finisher. 450 off a ladder uh, on the ropes. So yeah. like, the ladder is suspended across the turnbuckle bit of the ropes. Yeah, use like corner. a little platform. Onto Kane. Just, I mean, I thought that was that was one of my favourite moves. Um, he got that move over like Rover, mm-hmm. like, because it was always the end one. It was in it the was, Nexus beatdowns. Yeah, it was always, and I, I loved it because I. What, do you know what? It makes me think a lot about the Nexus sometimes when I see Gabriel doing the four fifty. Because I remember when the Nexus came in, and that, as you said, that was always the ending spot. So they'd do the beatdown, and then they'd do the four fifty. And Brian Alvarez was always saying, "I can't wait for that moment." I always agree with him. I can't wait for that moment when they do the Justin Gabriel face turn, which is when Wade Barrett tells him to go up top. Yeah. He goes up and then refuses to do the move and he gets back down and he walks away from the group because mm. that's going to be a great moment because that spot is so over that will make him a super baby face and he lo- he's got a baby face face yeah yeah uh, now, yeah, he, now he's a wolf or something so many well isn't he really horribly injured because he's very yeah, much well, into had, his base jump he had a very bad base jump injury yeah both his ankles oh could he broke like actually every bone in his body Ugh. Ugh. Uh, but yeah it's just the Nexus had so much stuff going for it and it it didn't launch anyone. <laughs> like you had seven goes there. I guess Brian. Yeah, uh, but that, but like Nexus didn't really launch Brian. It, yeah. sort of, it sort of did by accident. But even then, it took them like yeah, seven yeah. years or no, what, what was five years to do it. Yeah, <laughs> in spite. Um. So the actual ending here, I really, really much loved enjoyed. this, and and the crowd comes yeah. unglued. So Brian has Cody Rhodes in a guillotine on the top of the ladder, and I'm thinking, you know, Chris Jericho, Chris mm-hmm. Benoit submission spot on the ladder, and Wade is kind of reaching over him to get the briefcase from behind. So Brian starts fighting them both off, and but you know, as you said, the crowd are getting really excited when they realise. Brian might win. It's their ROH guy. Yeah, and especially because in uh, I noticed in the main event, a lot of the front row are banging the barricades yeah. when something good happens. And that is a Ring of Honor a thing ring of honor because thing. they've got the steel barriers and you get that really cool clong, 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 clong sound. Yeah. So this is, a, and you know, Chicago Ring of Honor. It's very much home turf and they're loving Brian and uh, that he finally gets it and the crowd go absolutely nuts. And it's like, oh my God. You gave the fans a fan favourite really good win. Yeah. I, and actually, at this point, I remember being surprised that they gave the, the yeah. briefcase to Brian. I thought Wade Barrett was going to or win. Seamus. Yeah, I thought it was yeah. going to be either one of those Same. two, but it was never going to be Brian. And I was so pleased when Brian won because this also leads to a brilliant heel run for Daniel Bryan because mm. he cashes this in against, uh, I think it's Mark Henry when he's world champion. And he then gets into a feud between him, Mark Henry, and the big show. These two ginormous monsters and piddly little Daniel Bryan. Mm. But he thinks that he can beat these guys easily. It's a wonderful run for Brian that then is ruined when he loses to 18 seconds to Sheamus yes. at WrestleMania the following but that year. That is what birthed Yes. It is. It did birth the Yes movement, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. And you, you know, you can. I mean, I prefer it went a different way, but it actually, you know, it got everyone so much behind Brian. Yep. You never know, do you? Uh, the Wrestling Observer gave this four stars. That's that's a good rating. And uh, Figure Four Weekly gave it three and three quarters. Oh, so you've got the stars. I've got star you? ratings oh, and everything, great. mate. See, I was I was just going to mention that Kane was my uh, dark horse pick. I remember because mm. I thought, you know, my 
I'd say Sheamus or uh, Barrett are going to win. And I thought, yeah, but Kane might get it at the time. Yeah. I never thought Brian, you know, he was one of the cooler guys. Uh, I've just got a last note here for when Brian wins. Really nice moment. Crowd are super into it. Michael Cole has to balance congratulating him and criticising him at the same time. Yeah. And I've just got here in my notes, he fails that balance. <laughs> I was going to say, it's not that balanced. Mm. So final thoughts. I loved it. I thought each guy got their own like time to shine, their own little spot fest moment. And just the stories they told a really nicely laid out match. I, this is my second favourite match of the night. I thought it was the best ladder match of the was two. Was it your second favourite? Yeah, of the night, yeah. Oh. Um, wait, what's yours? Oh, my Christian Randy Orton Oh, really? Guy. Oh, oh, yeah. I that match. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed this ladder match. As I said, I thought it was the, the easily the better of the two. I just thought it was really great. Mm. And it, it's a shame to see that, and you made the point there that this was meant to be like showcasing the future of the company. And there's two of them there, and one of them's Kane. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so after this, we had a backstage segment, because that's another thing that makes Money in the Bank so good. You've got this uh, narrative thread of CM Punk leaving the company, and can WWE management sort out a deal? And the best plot device of all... There's a time frame. Yeah. There's a there's effectively a ticking. It's one big long Royal Rumble countdown, <laughs> and the crowd can chant along because they want to see CM Punk come out at number thirty and win, and then f off. Dave Meltzer really hated all this. Oh, did he really? In his wrestling in his wrestling was ever a review of this. He did not like them constantly doing this. We tried to get a contract because he was like, it just made the whole thing phony. Mm. Yeah, but it. I mean, I, I guess you could make that argument. I, I don't think that at all, though. Yeah. I think the John Cena stipulation makes that it make, I, I really don't. I think it's such an unnecessary yeah. addition, which we, we, we've discussed. Um, but yeah, I think to, to Dave's point, there were so many people that believed it was real, mm. that CM Punk was going, and that his contract was ended. Because like, he'd signed a contract well before this. Like I know they did, when they did the Best in World documentary, he was like, yeah, I signed it the day of bollocks mate mm-hmm. no you didn't you signed it weeks before Vince that. does not run no I was going to say absolutely not yeah. what a load of crap mate uh, so I yeah I I do disagree uh, I think I disagree as well uh, I think Meltzer might be speaking from a bubble there because the the people who were you know reading the newsletter didn't know if it was an actual genuine mm-hmm. contract thing and and the idea of these segments affecting that a, a tiny 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 slice of I completely agree uh, but yeah, the, so the backstage segment has Vince shown arriving with John Laurinaitis. And that was like sort of the first time you saw Big John. Big John Laurinaitis. <laughs> uh, Big John Laryngitis. Yeah, and then I was like, I know him because there was the it was mentioned in the punk promo. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's nice. Uh, and this wasn't as the show was going on. This was earlier today. And I thought, you never get video bits of people arriving earlier in the day because everyone arrives unprofessionally as the show's going on these days. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was good. But it cuts back to the announcer. Uh, Booker T is dancing to the money music like an utter goof, (laughs) I've written here. And then we have the Bella Twins. Yeah, um, I've not written a lot of notes around this match. Uh, I could actually read them to you out verbatim. So it was... was it was which be- it was, was Brie Bella, Bella versus, versus Kelly Kelly, Kelly. One not of- Kevin Kelly, not like Ke- I've written. <laughs> uh, Kelly Kelly is champ. Yeah, uh, Brie Bella is going for the uh, the belt. I will read you my notes verbatim. Mate, that head scissors. Kelly is awful. This match is awful. It wasn't even that long. 
that Bella twins actually look like twins. Yes, well, this is because uh, it was pre-boob Bella. It's pre-boob Bella. This, but that is pretty much the extent of all I could say about mm. this match. It's very bad. So weirdly, this is uh, Daniel Bryan won the previous match. The next match is his future his, his wife. wife, yeah, and mother uh, of his child. Yeah, well, lo- a lot of um, that sort of family dynamic, that total Bella's dynamic, mm-hmm. is seen a lot here because later on with John Cena, he clobbers John Laurinaitis, who is the Bella's stepfather or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it is. yeah. Yeah, so his father-in-law essentially. It's weird how all that, and of course, you know, Brian and and Brian, uh, and Cena are all together now. It's weird how that uh, all come together later on uh, so my notes are green sparkly outfits and crappy capes with bellas on it so yeah. that's me not being impressed with the bella twins outfits this is incredibly rubbish uh, <laughs> uh, divas champion kelly kelly came out with eve torres i love eve torres yeah and because this is a patron exclusive i can say I really like her. I think I find her very sexually attractive. <laughs> oh, after dark. This reminds me as well. Um, so my friend uh, Ross, who I've mentioned before on the, the show, he co-wrote Bob Holly's autobiography. Mm. He he said something about Kelly Kelly that ruined her forever for me. When he said, just watch her entrance because she just points at nothing. Yeah. She just walks to the ring. If you watch a Kelly Kelly entrance now, just, she just points. She's not looking where she's pointing. Yeah. She just points in random places. It's like what Emma would eventually do as her entrance. And, <laughs> and her music. Oh, oh, it's so awful. It's bad, isn't it? <laughs> the, um, yeah, so I, Sol- I used to listen a lot to Solomonster's podcast and his criticism of Kelly Kelly's entrances was that he he could never picture Kelly Kelly without her arms down <laughs> because it's he's like if you'd say picture Kelly Kelly Solar Monster he'd have the W the Divas title above her head and her arms straight up yeah and but- that's all the time she wrestles her matches like that she walks around backstage like that <laughs> that horrible butterfly mm. belt yeah so this was all really bad uh, Kelly Kelly botched running into the ropes in the first minute, she, so she took one step too few. I always recall like the Brian Alvarez <laughs> complaint about Kelly Kelly, which is she takes like thirty steps to get to get to each rope. Yeah, and she, you know you don't because the idea is because I have run the rope, run the ropes. I'm sure you have as well. You throw yourself into them. Yeah, and then it hurts. Yeah, cause a you lot. Need, yeah, because you need the force to to yeah, bring yourself yeah. back. But she's it's almost like she's scared of the eventual bruise. Yeah, so she just. Bounces off like she's leaning on a wall yeah. and comes back. Uh, yep, I've I, I've got snap here. Terrible swinging hurricane rana. <laughs> Mate, that hurricane rana was so bad. Um, terrible clothesline. Mm-hmm. Like watching trainees. I've written here. Uh, it's like they they've got the the wrestling ability is not there. So the way Kelly Kelly makes up for this is with lots of screaming. Yep, and the Bellas scream on the outside. They're just yelling, yelling, yelling. Um, there's And then there's a finish no one popped for. Kelly Kelly just hits her finisher. No interference. You know, mm-hmm. not from Eve or uh, Nikki on yep. ringside. And that's it. It's over. Nikki's like, don't don't look at me. I didn't... Uh, yeah, Nikki keeps shouting at Kelly Kelly after Kelly Kelly's won. Look at her. She doesn't even eat. How could you not beat that to Brie? <laughs> yeah. What? This was... Very, very bad. Mm. Uh, Vinny would write in uh, Figure 4 Weekly, they missed time virtually every spot. Mm. I mean, this was a disaster even by Kelly standards. Kelly then hit a Fey Massa for the pin 
this was awful. Yeah, just garbage. <laughs> uh, so I, I was watching this at home and my lady partner was kind of forced to watch it in the background as well. And she, you know, she, I, I guess she finds women's wrestling more appealing than normal wrestling, men's wrestling. <laughs> Uh, because oh, you're daft sexist. Because of the outfits, <laughs> I guess. And she, so so she always watches. She doesn't watch. She doesn't like any wrestling. But she kind of pays more attention to mm-hmm. the Charlottes. She likes Charlotte, Sparkly Lady, as we yep. call her. Uh, she likes. Um, I think that's it. Oh no, she <laughs> likes Japanese Lady, Asuka. Yeah. And uh, it, whoever. And she she's from that. Like when she thinks of r- women's wrestling, that's what she thinks of. Charlotte, Sasha Banks, Bailey, Asuka. Uh, yeah, Natalia, mm-hmm. right? That's a certain look. And I never really thought about it. I knew that, like, previous the previous decade had been just supermodels or failed models being put into a wrestling role. And uh, my lady partner looks at, looks at what I'm watching and goes, they don't look very strong. <laughs> and I thought, they don't look very no, strong, do they? because they, they weren't casting at that time strong-looking women they were looking they were casting women because they were pretty they were casting yeah. models and then teaching them how to wrestle teaching models to be combat athletes very poor as well i might add because every match that they had was always very bad yeah no, and never was that more true than this match here the divas championship as well it feels like such a relic of the past mm. like you could 2011 you're like oh yeah that was definitely like divas era the divas championship was still in effect like two years ago was still the Divas Championship because it was like the last time it was defended was not WrestleMania gone, but the WrestleMania previous. Mm. So it's not really that old. Well, Stephanie McMahon didn't invent women's wrestling oh, until so, yeah. 2015. No, sorry, that's right. Yeah, uh, because Mae Young told her on her deathbed. Yeah, and she uh, passed over the secret after the hundred years she'd been wrestling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she wrestled for a hundred years, and the Bellas then. Stephanie then trained the Bellas. Yes, and that's how it came and, yeah, yeah, and then they did Total Divas, yeah. and everything was awesome. So that's, I mean, I you got confused. Sorry, that's fair yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it it's, happens. If you saw me in the street, look at the size of Mark Henry. I promise you, absolutely dominating. You would not look at me cross because you know that I would break your face wide open. Mark Henry. as of late, and many feel that you may have brought this upon yourself, sir. It's good that Mark Henry's on fire, because he's going to need it. For 15 years, the WWE Universe has been waiting for the world's strongest man to wake up. I lit that fire, and I can put that fire out. You think big is better. Well, let me tell you something, show. Stronger. 
Next up, we have Big Show versus Mark Henry. One of my favourite feuds of 2011. Yeah. What of just a big, meaty, mean match feud. Yeah. Loved all this. And because uh, the, the, there was another another match where the ring broke. They certainly did. They because that was obviously this time when Brock Lesnar wasn't mm-hmm. around. So they wanted to like they wanted to have the ring break spot, but they couldn't show the Lesnar clip because they were mad at him. So they just did it again with <laughs> Mark Henry instead. Now we've got a new one. And this is just this is the this is the run not just of Mark Henry's career, but it is like one of the best main event title runs of the last decade. So I loved his Hall of Pain gimmick. Do you, do you know the story behind Hall of Pain? Do you, do you know who it was suggested by? No. Brodus Clay. As, really? a, as a gimmick for him He went to Vince With like I've got this idea For <laughs> no, a gimmick you, No you got Funkasaurus mate <laughs> it was, I've got this idea For a gimmick It's called The Hall of Pain And I induct people Into it And Vince said That he didn't like it And then a couple of weeks later Mark Henry debuted With the Hall of Pain gimmick Ah uh, so Like you could probably Take that as malicious Like oh Vince is so evil But what probably happened <laughs> Is Brodus told Vince that Vince wasn't paying attention Yeah whatever kid I don't like it And then three weeks later He goes I've had an idea It's the Hall of Pain <laughs> So you just like, yeah, he's, I don't, I don't think he's doing it maliciously. He's just a senile old man. And I think that's why Brodus never put his all into the Funkasaurus gimmick when he eventually did it. Oh, I like Funk the fun- is I like- on a roll. Hey. Funk is on a roll. Naomi, that gave us Naomi. It did so indeed. It and, and one of my favourite women's wrestling matches ever with Cameron when she did her she used to do the splits mm-hmm. and that was her finishing move like when they're on the ground and then she would use her leg as the cover when Naomi was laying on her front and then she had a go at the ref for not counting the pin that was on Raw that was on live TV they put her out there and she did that on live television <sighs> it's no Melina versus Alicia Fox though <laughs> no it's certainly not <laughs> Uh, so, yes, uh, this was just the run where uh, Mark Henry is beating the crap out of people. This was uh, effectively a number one contenders match, would you say? Because this hmm. wasn't, it didn't have a title attached to it. Yeah. But Christian and Randy Orton had the SmackDown title at the time. Henry's promos were great in the uh, the recap video package they did. There's this one line he said, which was, look at me sideways and I'll break your face wide open. Oh, he was so oh, great. That's so mean. And um, It's incredible to think. I'm stumbling over my words because I'm so excited by all of this. Mark Henry debuted in this company in 1998. Mm. It took him, uh, what's that, 12, uh, 13 years. 13 years to get to this point. Can you imagine... They're just hanging around for 13 years and then you finally find this like I've got a gimmick that works and all of a sudden I'm the greatest thing on this show now move it, out of the way Brodus it really like it's just amazing uh, the, the actual match was was you know a pretty decent two big guys going at it match it wasn't their best outing but no. I did enjoy it yeah yeah and uh, Booker T I've got my Booker T line yeah. for this match Big Show does a shoulder tackle yeah. it, was a, it was an okay shoulder tackle <laughs> yeah sure it was two big guys it made a big noise. Booker T flips out <laughs> and goes, Did you just see that? 
And I was like, yeah, I did. It was a shoulder tackle. <laughs> and then and John Cena's going to do about 30 of them in the final yeah, match. And he's going to throw himself in the air while he does them. Uh, and then later, Michael Cole was just talking, you know, because they, they weren't talking about the match apart from when Booker T, mm-hmm. you know, heard a loud noise, was startled. <laughs> and so, Mike, so Michael Cole was talking about the size of Big Show's thighs. Yeah. And uh, Michael Cole just goes, he's got 37 inch thighs. And Lawler just says, how do you measure a thigh? <laughs> they weren't paying attention to the match. No. And that yeah, Cole didn't really answer him and I just it was just <laughs> it really made me laugh. Uh I um I've got a note here uh that just says this action is stiff as a dick. Yeah, yeah, it was a hard hitting match. Yeah. And the finish kinda came out of nowhere, Randy Orton style. Yep. With a two How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how get 30, how get 20, 20, 20, how get 20, 20, how get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Two world's strongest slams, you know, boom, boom, and then a splash. 
Yeah. It really was a real dominating win. It really wasn't much of a match, but I did like actually. You you made your point about the commentators, but I did like something within the commentary actually, where they were really putting over. This might have been part of the video package as well. Really putting over the idea with Mark Hamill's like it took you so long to make an impact, Mm. and they built that within to his character. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. What um what did Meltzer give this? Uh, This got um uh, three and three quarter stars in both the Wrestling Observer and Figure Four Weekly. What did the women's match get uh i believe i got a dud from both that's a zero it is a that's zero a, that is got a, no dimes that is a zero out of five now i my favorite thing about the match though was the post-match angle that's this really wasn't much of a match but it was all about the post-match and i think that's what uh the wrestling observer and the figure four were kind of reviewing as a mm. as all-encompassing segment yeah. because this post-match Big Show can really sell He's a, good actor, He's a yeah. such a good actor because he sold this like he was legit injured. The way he shouting at the people trying to help him. Yeah, that, that's the bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because if he feels like they're making it worse, it's so great. Yeah, and like to see such a big man scream effectively yeah. like he's yelling uh, and it's really loud, but sometimes his voice breaks. And he's he gets the tears. Yep. He can just cry on demand. Big Show, it seems. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's, he's selling was really good. What happened was Mark Henry got a chair and put it wrapped it around uh, Big Show's lower leg and then did a sort of not a center but like a, a yeah. butt splash. I should also make a correction there. Uh, it wasn't three and three quarters. I actually don't think they have a star rating for this one. It's actually the next match. Okay. Uh, uh, spoiler. But I do have uh, a quote here from the Figure Four Weekly because uh, uh, Big Show's being carted out. Vinny V would write, "Crowd was so concerned they chanted CM Punk." That I've got the CM Punk. <laughs> I was like, it's still there, even back to 2011. The CM Punk chants. Then we had a backstage segment. Of course, the first one was uh, Vince and John Laurinaitis earlier in the day. Now Josh Matthews. That that's the best commentator in the world. Josh Matthews in TNA. If you're if you've forgotten who he is, it's the same guy. It's the same guy. What a career. <laughs> and Josh Matthews asks. He was lead commentator on SmackDown at this point. Mm, yeah. Well. Uh, Matthews asks Vince if uh, he's re-signed Punk and Vince says no and then says Punk is the biggest ingrate he's ever dealt with Uh, and then Vince says so like he offered Punk a load of stuff and Punk simply answered by saying get out and then you hear the crowd go (laughs) F you Vince (laughs) so then we had the raw money in the bank match and uh, so who have we got here? We've got Alberto Del Rio with his car entrance. Yep, and just it really brought home how screwed Alberto was in 2011. Meant to have won the world title at uh, WrestleMania, but with Edge's injury, he didn't get that belt. Then they kind of like, then they were building he won the Rumble. He did. He won the Rumble, and he was meant to win at WrestleMania because that was like the big storyline they were telling. That was him achieving his destiny, mm. and that didn't happen. And it, that loss really did kill him flat. And I know why they did it because it was Edge's final match, so they they wanted to give Edge this this big win. But you put over the guy on the way out. I was going to say because it really did kill all of Alberto's momentum. And then he he moved over to Raw, and he really didn't make much of an impact there. And then they were building towards Alberto versus Cena. For, that was that was their plan. SummerSlam main event. Was he was go- the number one contender at this point. Was going to be Alberto versus Cena for the WWE Championship. But then all this Punk stuff happened, and that kind of threw everything asunder. So here's Alberto again, another stumbling block. 
And it's just like, it just, it really felt like he was treading water by this point. And had he lost Roberto Rodriguez by this point? Is he his personal think, ring announcer? I think he'd lost Roberto. Yeah, and that was such oh, an important yeah. part so, of his like, As a double act, absolutely yeah. so important. And the cars, like the cars made him feel so much better with the honking as, with the, yeah. like I can't hear the music without also thinking of some honks as yeah. the car comes in. So yes, Alberto Del Rio in full car entrance. Kofi Kingston, he's... He's been with the company since the dawn of time. Hasn't he just... In his old Jamaican Kofi Kingston gimmick. Yeah. I read the show, yeah! S.O.S. You've done a lot of singing of old <laughs> tunes here. Jack Swagger. With his awesome uh, entrance music. I loved his Rage Against the Machine knockoff music. Mm-hmm. I loved the... the but this Rage Against the Machine knockoff music brings me so much joy. It's awesome. We had Evan Bourne. Yeah, airborne. Yeah, our truth came out with no music. That Rem- was part of his gimmick. Remember this, our truth gimmick. This it was, really was good. so good. But he was just about to get on the because t- this is where he brings in like the small ladder in this match, mm. right? Like this is when they stopped taking it seriously and turned him into a comedy goofball. And it was a shame because just a few months prior to this, he really was making inroads with this gimmick. Well, he main evented uh, Capital Punishment he with the, Cena. He did it for the WWE Championship. Yeah. He was the number one contender. And he had this whole thing about how, like, I'm not going to be your dancing monkey anymore. I'm a serious wrestler and you will take me seriously. And then it just all went to hell. It's weird because R-Truth has a great look. He can talk. And he's a pretty competent wrestler, like above average wrestler. I really, I, he can move so well mm-hmm. when he does the splits and his, what is it, that scissor kick where he spins off the back of their head. Yeah, yeah. I've always liked that. And they, they did feel like they were getting behind him with the Miz and R-Truth double act. And yeah, just it seems like he was so good at comedy. WWE just wrote him off as a an idiot comedy well, gimmick. That stemmed from him getting the place name wrong. He came out to do a promo, and mm. you know he goes like, I think they're in Green Bay, and he goes Milwaukee, and you got Michael Cogan like we're in Green Bay, you goof, and the crowd are booing, and he's like the what's up, and everyone just boos him. And after that, that turned his character. He stopped being our truth. The any form of our truth, and he just became you're a comedy goofball now mm. who gets everything wrong, and you're an idiot, you're a paranoid fool, you're afraid of spiders or heights or whatever it is we're going to make you afraid of this week. It's it's uh it's great to be back in the Silver Dome, brother. <laughs> That's my favourite botch so good, yeah. uh, of location. Yeah. So so what I didn't mention is everyone coming out here has brought a ladder with them. Mm-hmm. And the gag is that when our truth comes out, he's got a tiny ladder. Because like he's afraid ladder. of heights. Yeah. Uh, we have The Miz and we have Rey Mysterio in his first ever Money in the Bank match. And to an enormous pop from the crowd. What a pop this was! Alex Riley. Oh, rage, Alex Riley. Who Cole was burying on commentary because Cole was a big Miz mark. That was part of his character. And Riley had, you know, turned on The Miz just like a month or two before. And he was really genuinely hot. I was <coughs> waiting in anticipation for when Riley beat The Miz, when they were going to have mm. that eventual one-on-one match for... Was the US champion? Miz was US champion at Possibly. this point. It was either US or IC champion. But I was just waiting for that time when Riley would finally win that belt. And it never came. If Riley won this Money in the Bank match, I wouldn't be going, well, that was too soon. Yeah. Like, I think that it was sometimes... It's so hot and you just pull the trigger. It could have gone terribly. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, hammer my name to that idea. 
but it, it could have worked. It really could have. Do you know what helped him? Uh, you know, and I said during the uh, the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match that all the entrance music sucked, but Alex mm. Riley sure didn't. Say it's in my face. What a tune! Like that entrance music. I remember when he first came out with that. There were YouTube videos uh, trying to find like the perfect mix of that entrance music before WWE officially released it. And I was obsessed with it. And what, like, grabbing it from, like the, from different and, intros? Yeah, and trying yeah. to, like, cut out the commentators and try to glue yeah, it all together. Yeah. I was obsessed with it. I did that with the Canalysis earlier this year. <laughs> yeah. Because I just got it. They debuted just before I went to Glastonbury. Yes. I was like, this is all I want to listen to. I didn't care about Radiohead. <laughs> and I, I'd just get up this one-minute YouTube bit yeah. that would end with commentators <laughs> and keep playing it and sing it. To everyone in the campsite's delight, about four in the morning as I stumbled into my tent. So, do you want a stat, Luke? Give me some stats. Five out of eight people are no longer with the company. You're absolutely right. Because okay, so who's left? We've got Ms. Kofi Kingston. Uh, yeah, Kofi has, is is contracted for another hundred years. <laughs> yeah. uh, yes, and the Miz, Miz is the other one. And our truth also contracted for another hundred years. The Miz. Um, and yeah, all these guys that were meant to be the future, like Alex Riley, gone. So Del Rio, Swagger, Born, Riley, and Mysterio. Yeah, Jack's Sw- Mysterio's your cane role there. He's your veteran. Absolutely, yeah. So Alberto is with GFW, I think. I think he's yeah. I, I think, think he's a bound for glory. I yeah. think he's still there. Uh, Jack Swagger's doing a lot of indie stuff. He's done some stuff with WCPW. Evan Bourne's in GFW there as Matt Sydal. Yeah, he's also in. ROH and yeah, yeah. I don't think he can do New Japan anymore because he likes marijuana too much <laughs> and he's not allowed to fly ironically yeah. <laughs> what a tragedy and uh, Reg Mysterio is with Lucha Underground mm. for the time being Alex Riley is doing quite a good job in Hollywood he's doing he was awesome in Glow yeah, yeah so yeah. happy to see him in Glow yeah. because his his last run in NXT it was embarrassing. It was embarrassing because he was... I actually really enjoyed him behind... When he was on commentary. Yeah. I really enjoyed him. And I also enjoyed him when he was having his feud with Kevin Owens. He was never going to win the NXT mm. Championship. But I really did enjoy their little match series. And they had some really good angles together. But when he turned heel and he was growing his hair long and he was mean Alex Riley, rage Alex Riley, pff, got over like a fart in church. It was awful. It's such a shame because they had something. But really? something happened between Riley and John Cena. And nobody's said it yet. Nobody said, said what it is who was involved. Uh, but Riley's just said there was an incident and it changed the course of my career. Oof. And what, you know, he was getting this huge push, great reactions. Whatever happened, happened. And then he just was in free fall down the card. Mate, so sad. Really sad. So, to the actual match, uh, right off the bat, everyone goes for Del Rio, because Del Rio's like the cocky heel, and uh, they've all got ladders, of course, so it's like a big ladder jousting war. Uh, shooting star off a ladder to everyone from Evan Bourne. That shooting star press. Mm. I loved uh, Evan Bourne around this time. It's also around the times where you had that wicked spot when you did the shooting star press into the RKO. Yes, oh, well, that's one of the all-time great. Yeah. It's like any spectacular high-fly move, if they're in WWE, it's like, well, that's a matter of time before it's an RKO. Yeah. As soon as AJ Styles came in, I was like, phenomenal forearm into an RKO. RKO. Yeah. And they teased that brilliantly uh, in their SmackDown match before Mania. Uh, so, yes, uh, Bourne kicking ass. Then Miz has an injury, and that's what we alluded to earlier. Awkward landing for Miz. Mm. Really awkward. But this is a planned spot, surely. I don't think it was. Oh, do you think? Because that spot, when you have the injury and then you come back, that's saved for a babyface. 
And it was or weird. Or a as, cheating heel. And it was weird. As, but he if came. He f- if he faked the injury. If he faked the injury, yeah. But he came back hobbling. Yeah. As, yeah and I guess so. Not only that, but to a hero's response when he comes out, everyone pops to him like a giant baby face. And it really felt like this was Miz got injured, was really unhappy that he got injured so early on, went backstage and was like, heal me up as best you can because I have to get back out there and finish this match. Well, it could be. Like but, a true pro. But the rest of the match flowed pretty nicely. I'd yeah, say the more botches in the first yeah, yeah, match. Yeah, absolutely. So that would that would hint that Sin Cara's injury was legit and Miz's was planned. I, I thought this was planned, uh, but I'm, I'm willing to be wrong. Uh, Mysterio and Bourne had a sort of uh, one-upmanship game where they, they each did a dive, they each did uh, climbs up ladders, both did hurricanranas. Uh, Kingston did a lovely leapfrog spot on over Swagger and onto a ladder. Yep. Uh, and I'd, so this is where I've written, it's so much better just having one Money in the Bank match a show. Yeah. Because this was, I thought the first match had a lot of story, but this one was just spot, 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 which was fun and spectacular. But, you know, I would have preferred you take some of those really good spots, mix it in with a story, just have one match. I completely agree with you. Uh, there's a spot in this match which I really, really liked, and it's where you basically got a load of ladders set up, hmm. and every single person in this match has climbed up the ladders, yeah. and they're all just beating them, and they're all reaching for the briefcase. And it's this wonderful shot. And I've written in my notes here, if so many of these people weren't fired, this would be a great shot to use in video packages for hmm. Money in the Bank. And it's swinging, isn't it? The briefcase, yeah. like a pendulum, and everyone's grabbing for it and grabbing for it that way. People get chucked off. Yeah. And they're like, oh, who's going to be up there at the end? It's great. Uh, this was also the match where Cole is talking about money in the bank injuries, money in the bank match injuries because of the Miz. And uh, Booker T says, yeah, like Big Show from earlier. <laughs> and Cole says, that wasn't a money in the bank match. No, it was and not. And Booker T just goes, oh, it hurt him bad. <laughs> Like, what? I have just written it. Commentary is horrible in this match. I mean, I, that is, it runs throughout, but sometimes it just has to be highlighted per match. There were some really inventive spots. I really liked Mysterio 619 on Kofi while Kofi was in the ladder, you know, like sort of yeah. between the two in, in the middle bit. Uh, and uh, Kofi jumping, uh, Kofi in the ladder, so he was in the ladder again, but he used his hands on the on the steps to get up while Alberto Del Rio tried to spear him yeah. and Del Rio like, essentially dove to the outside onto nothing. Kofi really was massively over at this time and he was over because he was doing all this crazy inventive stuff like when he was put into Money in the Bank ladder matches or the Royal Rumble things like that everyone was just waiting for that Kofi spot mm. and it really it used to be John Morrison's yeah and yeah. it really did get him over to a massive degree but there was only so far that Kofi Kingston character could get like the New Day has like completely rejuvenated his career but like I mean, do you remember that there was that period when he was feuding with Randy Orton? That's what I was going to bring up, yeah. Yeah, that Randy Orton feud should have been like his ascent into the main mm. event, and it never came. Yeah. Uh, so so after the spot with the cluster of, of ladders and everyone trying to reach, there was this great bit where everyone's down, and then the Miz just runs in, like you said, hopping. Well, runs. He, hop, he does the fastest hop I've ever seen. Uh, and ju- just runs up right away, no, yeah. no uh, dilly-daddling, and tries to get the briefcase. But Mysterio takes him out. And then there are boos when Mysterio tries to get the briefcase. Yeah, people were not into Mysterio in this match. Absolutely not. And they hadn't been for years. (laughs) And they what? So why put Ray out there at number thirty in that uh, that Royal Rumble? Yeah, the the infamous Royal Rumble. So the ending was actually really, really exciting. This this match just felt like utter chaos. 
Mm. And the crowd were going nuts throughout. Yeah, so I, I thought, um, apart from the Miz injury bit, uh, this lacked story. It was just spots in in comparison to the first match. But the ending, I thought, had all the story for the rest of the match because it, it was really, really good. It was just two guys going at it and trying to out-wrestle each other. So Del Rio and Ray are on the ladder. Ray hits Del Rio in the head with the case. He's got the briefcase. And then Del Rio tries to take off Ray's mask. In fact, he does take off Ray's mask. And the crowd are going crazy because they're against Ray at this point. They're booing him. Then uh, Del Rio pushes Ray off onto another ladder. But it bounces back into his ladder. So if it, so what was meant to happen? Del Rio was going to push Ray onto this ladder. The ladder was going to fall over. Yeah. But what, did, what happened instead is it bounced off the ropes. Bounced back into the ladder that Del Rio was on. And it knocked over all the ladders. Like it just felt like a complete like they always use the term it's a human demolition derby. Yeah. This was a ladder demolition derby. Like just everything fell apart. It was like a dot like slow the slowest dominoes. <laughs> I was like, oh no, this is this is happening. But they did recover very well mm. from all of those ladders falling down. Yeah, Del Rio, as soon as he's back up again, gets the ladder, resets it really quickly, but with a, like a real muscular fire, mm-hmm. and the crowd are firing up with him, and they're chanting, and he runs up, and he gets the briefcase, and he wins. Because this could have this could have just as been as bad as when Jack Swagger couldn't unhook the uh, the money in the bank mm. from uh, that WrestleMania where you won it. I think, was, was it the yeah. year before this, or a couple of years before this? Don't know. Don't know. Uh, so after this... That's Del- how memorable his World yeah. Championship run was. Del Rio's post-match after this... Uh, he said he's already the number one contender, as we've already talked about, but Punk stole his place. So this was a nice bit of foreshadowing, just reminding everyone where uh, the various players stand in terms of title shots and new potential cash-ins. And he reminded everyone, destiny, my destiny, is to be the WWE champion. And, you know, as we'll come on to, how that plays into the rest of the night. Randy Orton and Christian for the World Heavyweight Championship. It's about the next chapter in what has become a storied rivalry. And Christian caught Orton in the head. Randy's reeling. Whoa, he's out of the way. RKO! RKO from out of nowhere! And Randy Orton retains the world title. I deserve one more chance to become the World Heavyweight Champion. I deserve it the moment the ref made the bad call. I was the one that was screwed out of the World Heavyweight Championship, and I deserve it right now. Theodore Long, who has made Christian jump through the proverbial hoops just to get here, finally has no choice but to give Christian what he deserves, and that's a world title opportunity against Randy Orton. Well, here it is in black and white, Teddy, the contract for my World Heavyweight Championship match at Money in the Bank. And what you can do for me is make sure Randy Orton meets me in that ring to sign it tonight. My legal counsel has reviewed this contract, and there's a clause in there that clearly states that if Randy Orton gets disqualified, or if there's another case of bad officiating, I automatically become the World Heavyweight Champion. Teddy Long can't save you anymore. These crooked referees can't save you anymore. And the WWE brass can't save you anymore because you're their golden boy. You know, Christian, 
We had a great match. A great match. And I beat you. We had another epic match. And I won again. The more that I beat you, the more you beg and you plead for one more match. But now, all of this, it's starting to make me angry. And as you know, I've had problems in the past managing my anger. But a lawyer isn't gonna get you the World Heavyweight Championship, no, no. In order to get this, you're gonna have to beat me. I know I can beat you even though nobody else thinks that I can. Following the Raw Money in the Bank ladder match, we had what was my second favourite match of the night. I absolutely adore this match. They had the feud of the year, in my opinion. Oh, really? Well, yeah, because, you know, Punk, Punk and Cena had, like, the best match of the year, that year, 2011. But for me, Christian and Randy Orton had the best you know, multi-match feud. Absolutely, yeah. I thought the stories they told in it, the quality of the matches, I thought superb. One more match. One more match. I was going to say, the what I loved about this feud, because I've actually written here, love this story, love this feud. Because they started off, they did a double turn within this, um, and they, they even, like, what I loved about the matches was each match played into the next one. Mm. So there were spots to so say, like, Christian won the World Heavyweight Championship after Edge vacated it and then lost it five days later to Randy Orton. And then, and he lost that by doing the, he went to do a springboard and he got caught with the RKO. Mm. And the, re- the next match was then built around that spot again. But Christian learning not to do the springboard. And I just loved the way they just went back and forth with things like that. And... It was great because I, I was such a big Christian mark, so it was great to see him put into this... You were a this. peep. I was a peep, absolutely. And it was great to see him put into this position where he was allowed to shine, and he got over, like, Rover. He did so well for himself in this feed, and he really, like, solidified himself as a main eventer. Apart from the fact that the upper brass of WWE thought he looked weird, and he was really only in this position because Edge went to bat for him. I've never understood this intense dislike of Christian's face. Yeah, they just think, they think the, the creepy little bastard's a rip, like, because they think he just looks like, well, I've just knocked Stone Cold knocked off. Knocked over a, a, a die-cast figurine of Stone Cold Steve Austin. They think he looks like a CLB. That's, that was, it was a rib What's on him. What's a CLB? Creepy little bastard. That was his gimmick um, right. in, like, 2002 or so. They used to call him CLB. And it was a rib, because it, they think he looks weird. It's bizarre, because when I was a kid... You know, I, I still don't really know what uh, male attractiveness in the face is. It looks like you. The, oh, that's good. <laughs> like, because to me, I just see it's like uh, it's like metal music. There's the, it all sounds the same. Yeah, I can di- I can differentiate between Brad Pitt and say the guy who works in the off license down the road. But apart from that, I haven't got much scale. Mm. But when I was a kid, I thought, yeah, Edge and Christian, they're good looking guys that the girls would like. Yeah. So then to to find out later on about all the Vince McMahon blue dot stuff, wanting to put a blue dot over Christian's face wherever he went on television, uh, if they had the rendering facilities to do that at the time, I don't think they did. Uh, like, yeah, it was just bizarre. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? it he, just, he just never liked him. And that's why, more or less, at the end of this feud... <coughs> sorry, excuse me. At the end of this feud, Christian wasn't like... He never mm. m- like stayed at a main event level. Like, you know, 
Randy Orton went on to have a you know a main event level career following this and had one before this. But more or less, once this is over, Christian's off. He's off down. He's back down the pecking order again. He never got his retirement match. Mm. He's retired from the ring because Vince just didn't care about him. Yeah, that that is really sad for for poor old Christian. I don't know how much of it, of course, is the old TNA brush. He did yeah, there. I suppose there is and that. Yeah, there, there was a moment. I remember this weirdly. Christian got heat for WWE leasing Christian to TNA to appear at their Hall of Fame so they could use Ric Flair. Uh, Ric Flair. They could induct Ric Flair at the time. Yeah. Was it, it was your decision to send him over there. By all accounts, well, he didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. TNA, like, the, the deal was that WWE wanted to induct the four horsemen and that required Ric Flair and who was working at TNA at the time. So they asked TNA if Ric Flair could come over and they said, absolutely, as long as we can get one of your guys to come over and do a show over here. So TNA had free reign to pick anyone from WWE. I'd imagine within reason. But they had free reign to pick anyone they wanted. Cena. Yeah, but no. They picked Christian. Mm. Because Christian was once, you know, was part of it. And Christian showed up for a show, looked like he wanted to be anywhere else, had a miserable time by all accounts, and that was it. And so, like, it's that's typical TNA, though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Uh, so the, the actual match, though. Oh, uh, yes. So this came off the back of two other very good matches uh, at pay-per-views. You had the Over the Limit match and Capital Punishment. Two terrible names <coughs> for pay-per-views consecutively. And in the last match, uh, so so I think the first one was where Christian lost it. Yep. The next one at Capital Punishment. Well, no, Christian lost it on TV. Oh, okay. So, oh, yeah, this is where Christian's one more match thing came yeah. from. Uh, and at Capital Punishment, Randy pinned Christian, but Christian's foot was under the ropes. Exactly, he was so, pinned erroneously. Yeah, so that he got the lawyers involved, and he says, right, off the back of that, if there's any more bad officiating, or if Randy gets DQ'd, I win the belt. None of this, the title doesn't change hands on a DQ nonsense, I get it. And then, you're like, well, that, you know, that made sense from yep. a story perspective from the previous match, and... The beautiful part about this is it now plays in to their characters. And yes. that's Christian is a snivelling, annoying, I've written annoying twat here, who uh, <laughs> who who gets, you know, he's, he uses lawyers and he hides exactly. behind legal He has wormed his way into this match yeah. with the stipulations that suit him and that suit his, because... He's the the idea within WWE matches. They always put it over as like it's champion's advantage, especially when you got heels. Heel can just go out, take the count out, loss. Doesn't matter. They retain the championship. They can flip that round now. So you got Babyface Orton, who is in jeopardy because he is the Viper. He's a bit unhinged. He hears voices in his head. Mm. They counsel him. They understand. So now you've got Christian, the dastardly heel, the pesky heel, the irritating heel, as you as politely pointed out, trying to intentionally wind Randy up so he gets himself disqualified. It's just a great story to tell. Yeah, Randy's got anger issues. Christian is trying to make him snap. Yeah. And it's, it's like Randy's at war with Christian and himself. Yep. There's so much going on here. And it's, it just all makes sense. And they have a great match that they tell a fantastic story through. I think, uh, I can't remember if it was SummerSlam next, but I think I remember preferring their SummerSlam match mm -hmm. out of all of the, the yeah. matches they had. But this is probably my second favourite. Uh, so Christian walks right down to this match. You know, they've just played the video package and he's carrying the chair with him. Yeah. 
and he's just like, come he's like on. instantly showing you this is my plan. Yeah, like he's not hiding what his plan is. He's like, no, I'm walking with the chair. This is what I'm going to do. You're yeah. going to get yourself disqualified. I'm going to be champion. He, and he effectively gives Randy the chair and says, "Use this on me. <laughs> Hit me." Yeah, it's great stuff. But then, what is even better is that you could have done you could have done that throughout the whole match, and you keep on, uh, you know, using those spots, teasing if Randy's going to hit him. But they don't. No, they not ignore it. They on purposely put it to one side. Yep. And you know what? I almost forgot about it. I I forgot, and then I remembered only at the end when Christian spits in Randy's face. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no. No, Rand- that Randy will get. He'll lose the title if he gets disqualified. Yeah, uh, and so it's, it's so it's so interesting about this period as well. Is that, and it really told so well in this match and in the video package that you mentioned before. But Christian really could have stayed babyface during this whole feud because not on his character. Well, no, initially he was because he was the guy. He was the avatar for Edge. Mm. He was the guy that was facing off against Del Rio for the the world title and here he is. He's winning it for his best friend Edge, future Hall of Famer Edge, who's had to retire because he's got a, a an ouchy neck and if he has one more match he may die. So Christian's fighting for his best friend and he's now the champion. It's a beautiful story. But they've told the story so well that his heel turn wasn't like oh they just turned him heel for no reason they turned him heel because like that's a genius way of turning him heel mm. and that plays so well into this match and you're right because there's that moment when he does spit in, onto Randy Orton and Randy Orton sells it so well yeah. that you're like that is a dick move yeah and the commentators we I've ragged on them a lot throughout this this podcast rightly so because they have been awful but they sell this moment so well yeah, so I'm just going to run through uh, a, a few of my notes. Uh, it's it's back and forth for the majority of the match. It's mainly counter-based wrestling. You know, someone will go for something, they'll counter it. It isn't just one guy dominating the other, yeah. which, you know, I, I find a bit tedious after a while. I like it when it's back and forth, which is why the main event of this pay-per-view is so bloody fantastic. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Randy Sucks chants. Yeah, crowd. Chicago crowd, heavily behind Christian. Heavily behind Christian. Um, but Randy... Randy... His wrestling style here was just lovely to watch. And we rag on Randy in the modern day <laughs> yeah. because he doesn't... He's had a lot of bad feuds in 2017. Not bad just. But when he's in the ring with someone of a Christian and an AJ Styles wrestling mind, yeah, uh, it, it really awakens the best part of Orton. And that is he can, he can really smartly tell a story through moves and counters and physicality. And Randy's just he's doing his old methodical uh, thing. There was a two really nice pinning counters, uh, you know, like a, a, a near fall into a near fall. Randy's drop kick, I've just written down here, is <laughs> so smooth and it is so quick. Yeah, it's actually funny. Like you, you mentioned now that Randy, when Randy's in the ring at this point and he really feels like he's getting into something, it's almost like what we say with Lesnar now. When Lesnar knows he's going into something that he can really sink his, te- his teeth into and get behind, he is a completely different kind of athlete, and he mm. puts on a very different performance. And I feel it's the same with Randy sometimes. Like, his matches with, with Bray Wyatt were very boring, but you could feel that Randy knew they were boring and therefore wasn't really trying. Yeah. I don't know if it's if, he, if he's not really trying. I think it might be more that uh, he's... He's not good in that way. So, like, you can't put Randy with anyone and expect a great match. Mm-hmm. However, you can put... Ra- I mean, you can put pretty much anyone with AJ Styles and he's going to get a pretty good match. 
but you put Randy with AJ Styles and suddenly it's a it's a fantastic match. You put him with Christian, it's a fantastic match. It's like if you I think I always thought if you put him with Bret Hart, that would be a great match. You hear of Randy being like a wrestler's wrestler. Yeah. And if you uh, could build a, gra- a wrestler from the ground up, he'd hmm. look just like Randy Orton. And you, you hear of like all the old time guys, you know, like all oh, the things I could do with Randy Orton. You mm-hmm. know, like I could I could tell a really good story with that guy. Yeah. Just because he is he's got a very unique way of moving around the ring and just the he's he's got a very good wrestling mind, but I think it's only brought out when he's got the right competition. I agree. It's not a fact. I, I don't buy into that he gets lazy and he's because he obviously cares very much about his job. Uh, so there is a great near fall here after Christian hits the kill switch. <laughs> the whole crowd are really into it. But the ending, brilliant ending. So they don't use the DQ angle since the start when uh, he brings in the chair. And then Christian spits in Randy's face and Randy sees red and he's beating down Christian like, you don't spit on me. And Christian's kind of there just like taking it, going, bring it on keep hitting me and then uh but the referee's like stop stop and he stops uh the beat down after four and you think ah oh, yeah and that's when you remember oh yeah the title's gonna change hands and then randy you think it's cooled down and it stops for like a, a second or two randy just looks at christian referees looking right at them both and kicks him right in the nuts it's the the opposite of the enzo amore thing he yeah he didn't wait to, he didn't wait till the referee back return he just did it right in front of the referee but it's so this is such a good moment because not only it was a good match it was a great story it was a fantastic finish the it was the right crowd yeah chicago smart crowd and there's so there's the two second pause then there's the kick in the nuts then there's another like second pause and then chicago goes the title's just changed. Yeah. And everyone goes nuts because it's for Christian. It was a really good finish. Uh, Dave Meltzer wrote in the Wrestling Observer, This match was good. The finish would have been awful on a normal night. But this wasn't a normal night. This was a unique crowd which cheered Christian and booed Orton. Stephanie McMahon instructed the announcers to ignore the negative Orton chance. Oh, dear. Well, you know, I suppose you have to. It's Bizarro Land. It's Bizarro what, what did he give the match? Uh, I believe he gave it four stars. Yeah. Well, yeah, totally totally deserving, I, I would say. And then you, you get to see that all the bits that you didn't get in the match and the kind of uh, uh, the, the baby face getting cheated there, the baby face essentially looking dumb, even though he, there was a character-based reason for it. You got all the stuff afterwards, which was Randy just beating the crap out of Christian. Absolutely. So the, the heel got their comeuppance immediately, and it was such a fun beating that the whole crowd started chanting. Yeah. And, uh, well, it you know, it didn't all go to plan, though. So Randy's beating down Christian. He puts Christian on the announcer's table and gives him an RKO but it doesn't break. The announcer's table doesn't break. So Vince apparently told him to go back out there and do it again. Yeah, I so, believe so, yeah. Yeah, so a referee, like, Randy's walking out, and but the, the whole crowd are going, one, one more, more time, time. <laughs> one more time. And a referee kind of, you know, sort of mouths to Randy, go back, even though he's on the entrance ramp. So Randy does turn around, and he goes over, and he hits it again. It didn't break for a second time. And the crowd are going crazy just then. Randy looks, like, angry, but he's a good kind of angry. Yeah. And then Teddy Long's out there for some reason <laughs> trying to stop it all because he was the SmackDown guy then. And the crowd are cheering one more time. <laughs> and he and Randy hits it again. And the crowd go nuts for it on the third time. Uh, Randy's crazed facials were brilliant and it didn't break for a third time. So, yeah, the announcer's I, table is the true winner. I, I loved this this ending. What I did not love, and I kind of was putting them over a little bit, but I'm going to go back on them again with the commentators because I've got two points that I wanted to, to, to make on this. 
Lawler and Booker are insufferable after the match because they just keep saying Randy got screwed. Mm. He didn't get screwed. He knew the ref was looking at him and he got himself disqualified. He didn't get screwed in the match. He lost within the confines of, of the, the rules. rules. He yeah. lost of his own accord. So he didn't get screwed. But you've got Lawler and Booker both going like, he got screwed, Randy got screwed. And you've got Cole saying he didn't get screwed. Mm. And this is kind of where the, the, the heel Orton thing, like the heel Michael Cole thing doesn't then work. <laughs> It was just all over the show, mm-hmm. but like the actual the, the 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 attack and the table stuff and all of that was great. And I've written in my notes here, and I don't know whether this is true. I must I probably wrote this in the heat of the moment, but cold cold uh, the cold harsh light of hindsight. Don't know whether I truly believe this because there must be another period between this. But I've written in my notes here. This is the best Randy has been since his feud with Mick Foley which was in 2004. So there must have been a period in that seven years well, where... Well, you didn't like all the legacy stuff when he was proper crazy and going after Vince there was, McMahon. Yeah, there was never anything in there that I really liked. Maybe it was. If I go back and watch some of that, I'll probably be like, oh, I do remember yeah. that being really good. But I can't think of anything... Of that level. Top, yeah. yeah, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that was like, this guy's awesome. This is why mm. he's always the top guy in the company and has been now for, you know, coming on for 20 years. Um, and I... I, I when I see things like this, I'm like, that's why he is that guy. And it's the same with the Foley thing. Like, when you go back and look at that feud with Mick Foley, you're like, yeah, that's why he was pegged to be the top guy in this company. Attention. Do I have everybody's attention now? I was suspended by Vincent K. McMahon because of some things that I said. I didn't get in trouble because I announced July 17th is the day my contract comes to an end. And trust me when I tell you, I am leaving, I am leaving with the WWE Championship. I didn't just get in trouble because I said this company inside and outside the ring are filled with a parade of shameless ass kissers. I didn't just get in trouble because of this little nugget. And I would like, like to think that maybe this company will be better after Vince McMahon's dead, dead, dead. I got in trouble basically because I have the balls to say things that nobody else has the balls to say. But never fear, tonight, not only am I reinstated... CM Punk's reinstated, you've got your match. Vince McMahon desperately wants to sign me to a very long-term, very lucrative contract with World Wrestling Entertainment. It's funny to me that Vince is bending over backwards to give me everything I've ever wanted. My face got everything. I want cups, posters, spoons, knives, forks, my own jet. CM Punk the movie! And the reason it's funny is because all I've ever really wanted is this little microphone. See, this, this is power. I am the voice of the voiceless. Do I have everybody's attention now? In anybody else's hands, this is a microphone. In my hands, it's a pipe bomb. I'll kick you in the nuts and you'll smile at me and like it and show me some respect. You're one of the biggest bullies I have ever met in my entire life and you will apologize. Apologize. You will apologize and you... Hypocrite of them all. You are CM Punk. The hottest property 
day. You beat to your own drum, but in the path of doing things you want to do, you've lost sight of everything. I've lost sight. You are the one that's lost sight. That's lost sight. I am the underdog, and what you are is what you hate. You're the 10-time WWE champion. You're the man. Ladies and gentlemen, the champ is here. The champ you, is here. like the Red Sox, are no longer the underdog. You're a dynasty. You are what you hate. You have become the New York Yankees. Do I have everybody's attention now? Sunday night, say goodbye to the WWE title. Say goodbye to John Cena. And say goodbye to CM Punk. CM Punk walks out for this championship. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's attention now. So, shall we do it? Let's talk about. Um, I mean, I believe this was probably voted match of the year in the Wrestling Observer. Both. I mean, spoilers for now. Both the Wrestling Observer and Figure Four Weekly gave this the full five stars. A and rare accolade. A rare accolade, and I believe it. This match is the sole reason why this pay per view was given one hundred percent thumbs up feedback, mm. because. I mean, this is a great match. We're, of course, talking about John Cena versus CM Punk. It's a great match, wrestling-wise. It's a great crowd. It's booked to the right level with all the interference and the, the screw job bit at the end. There's a cash-in, and uh, well, an attempted cash-in, and the feel-good ending. And it leaves so many possibilities. And, you know, I when we watched this, uh, uh, when I watched it, that last shot of Vince just looking mortified and Punk at the top of the arena. He's going to leave. You know what? That's, that's actually... Let's, let's go let's, from the start. Let's, 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 let's go from the start. start. So... Notice how the Nexus isn't involved in this. Yeah, even though he's the... <laughs> sort of dropped all that. That's that's kayfabe wrestling nonsense. This was a real story. <laughs> real time now. So, there is a... Uh, in, in the video montage recap, which is slightly different from the one that opened the show, they play it. And uh, it's... When they were playing this back, I was like, Punk really did change his, his hair a lot. So, yeah. you know, like slick back hair punk, moustache punk, uh, handlebar punk. Long, greasy head when he was Lo- yeah, hobo yeah, Jesus. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was all night. This was moustache punk mm-hmm. at the time. Uh, the New York Lang- Yankees line, which I remember thinking was a bit lame. Uh, you know, like all the things that punk said and the thing that makes Cena break is you've become what you hate. You're the New York Yankees. And, of course, Cena being a Boston... I was going to say, he's a Boston guy. But, you know, is that the thing that's going to make you snap? <laughs> if you're John uh, Cena, it is. He yeah. once wrote on it, spray paint on a car, JBL is poopy. Mm. But that was... Uh, the the video package made it look like the biggest insult of all time. And, like, this, this promo package, I've written here in all caps, what an effing promo this storyline rules. Yeah. And then it cuts to the crowd, and there are just so many signs yeah. and everyone is chanting CM Punk CM Punk this is the moment they this whole night this is what this crowd has been waiting for yeah and chanting through a lot of the even good matches they will chant for <laughs> CM Punk uh, and then the old kill switch engage music hits that yeah. would be the last time we'd hear Punk come out like that mm-hmm. the night after it was cult of per- well when he came back two weeks after or whatever it was it was cult of personality uh, and now forever that yeah. That is forever in my mind of CM Punk's. But yeah, it was the old Kill Switch Engage music, which was my 
uh, 2K wrestlers entrance oh, music at the right. time. So I've I loved that song. Uh, but the crowd pop when his music hits is so low and guttural. You know, it was a it was a man pop. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a fart. Like this reaction, and it's it's funny. Like when you we get it a lot in in when we do wrestle talk news videos or wrestle talk videos in general you get a lot of people going like i wish cm punk would come back cm punk needs to come back cm punk's the best whenever you do like a punk video i, I said i'd stop commenting on, on your videos Jeez. <laughs> whenever you do a cm punk video it almost like in theory gets more views than your average video because there's just there's this very like niche interest in punk and he's just this this kind of like ethereal figure within like the history of wwe it was a passionate interest it was a really passionate interest he's like a cult leader yeah. i i am obsessed with cm punk he's yeah. like my favorite person of the last five uh, seven I, I, years. and i completely agree but it's really weird that i've sort of detached myself from that in recent years where i'm just like punk's never coming back we should stop wishing he's going to come back i know that time heals all wounds and you know even warrior came back but cm punk's most likely never coming back we should all just kind of move on and then you go back and watch a pay-per-view like this and i think i might have said this at the start but you go back and you watch a pay-per-view like this and you're like oh i remember why people love punk because mm. it's reactions like this and it's it's pay-per-views like this and a performance like this where you're like yeah i now remember why i now realize why people think so fondly of punk and remember him so fondly and like this pop it's never anything like Jerry Lawler even says, I've never seen anything like this. And I'm like, you're Jerry Lawler. You you're, Memphis. you're in <laughs> Memphis for like a year. Like, then you've got this reaction every single week. Yeah. What are you talking about? Yeah, but not like, but, that, that was a lot of people. Yeah. So it's just, uh, it's it's because I believed in him, I guess. Yes. Yeah. And I, I guess I'm speaking for everyone in that arena as well who went crazy for him apart from that guy dressed up as John Cena in the front oh, row oh mate that guy dressed as John Cena well, how row. was he not lynched <laughs> I don't understand how I mean, he's still alive I've been, I've been to Everton Liverpool games where Liverpool fans have been stuck in the Everton end and they were not treated as nicely as that CM Punk fan in the front row so there were a lot of signs uh, quite a few that read if Punk loses we riot yep. of course a, a call back to the ECW one night stand sign uh, again, in, including Cena, involving Cena there. And Punk just comes out. And, you know, when the music hits, there's this big roar. When Punk walks out, walks out there's like a second wave of the roar from the crowd. And he walks down and he, he's just just standing on top of the turnbuckle. The cra- you know, he, he feels it. Yeah. Because this is a once-in-a-lifetime thing and everyone else there knows it. And he skips around the ring. And then the... The, cra- the crowd starts to not go quiet, but just not as insanely loud as they were. Yeah. And then he sits down cross-legged. He's uh, Ace Steel and Colt Cabana, who are his Chicago buddies, wrestling buddies, are at ringside. And he sort of talks to them. He points at his ear and goes, can you hear this? Yeah. He mouths that. And then he's like, he looks around and then he stands up again and he just... Gets everyone cheering yeah. again. It's like a another second massive cheer. I'm getting goosebumps talking about this. It's, he just he controls that crowd so well. <sighs> and and I mean we we're doing a lot of praising for Punk here as well. We should when talking about this pay per view. But I've really got to give a lot of credit for Cena as well because Cena comes out when his music hits with those brrr, brrr, hits and there's ooh there's there's guttural again booing for John Cena. I've never heard a pop like that. No, oh okay, that, but that boo. Well, that I was going to say boo, because. Yeah. I, I there are two times when that's happened. One of them was Money in the Bank, and the other one was the other pay per view that was on our list, which was ECW One Night Stand Two. Right. But because that was a smaller place and it was a more confined mm. boo, like you know, there's that one John Cena fan in the front row of this pay per view. 
that guy does not exist in that ECW <laughs> show. Like that is one hundred percent anti Cena at mm. that show because it's a smaller place. It is. It feels more intense. So it, it's it's kind of hard to to, to pick, uh, pick between the two. But something that I do have to give Cena a lot of credit for, and you just don't see it anymore. And I, I think this is a real crying shame. And it's things like this that I think really help sell the emotion of a match. Cena doesn't do his normal intro, his entrance. He just walks to the ring. He is dead serious. He has got a mission. He has got a job. His job is on the line. He has to win this Unfortunately. match. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. This is a must-win match for John Cena. So he doesn't come out doing like the, the with like with the, the throwing the hands doesn't in the air. Goofy, goofy thing. To the, listening the to the crowd. He just walks to the ring. And I wish more wrestlers would do that. When you're in these like hard situations, when you're in these really engrossing storylines these dramatic storylines don't do your big goofy entrance that you do every single week because you're meant to sell it with your entrance mm. and i seen i i love punk's entrance but seen as one because it's so against what he does usually made it even more impactful i i mean that yeah but cena had a great entrance uh for, from cena's perspective but again i've got to give it to the crowd because yeah. that that after Punk did his whole second win cheer thing, they just, it's like WWE held off on playing Cena's music for just the right amount of time. You can, you can see Vince in the back just going, not yet, yeah. not yet. Hold, hold, hold. Kevin, don't you dare press that button. And uh, and then when the music hits, and that and I remember watching that boo, hearing that boo, and thinking, that's this is my voice because it, you know we've said it before in, in this podcast and that is Cena in the last two years is actually pretty damn tolerable he's turned it around but this was that apex of me hating his guts and I didn't have the rational separation of seeing John Cena the man and John Cena the wrestler I hated John Cena as one complete whole uh, it, it, it's the punk promo spoke for all of us. Yeah. It's this, and it's amazing to think it's the same as when Cena cut that promo on Reigns. He was saying everything that we've all been thinking, mm. and it's just it's hilarious to think that now it's Cena that's doing it. Whereas back here, it was Cena was the target. He was he was the Roman Reigns. Yeah, and uh, so the the actual match, both men are in the ring now. Huge chance. The chance. Let's go, Cena. CM Punk did yeah. not stop. There's there's a moment midway through the match where Punk has Cena in a rest hold. Mm-hmm. There's a chin lock for about a minute. The crowd is going nuts. Let's go, Cena. CM, CM Punk. Punk, and it's so loud. And it's like it's a rest hold. <laughs> But they did not stop. And it's one of the very few times, and this, this is something that irks me with wrestling crowds, it's one of the few times you'll hear, let's go Cena, and not followed with Cena sucks. You chant it's for the followed, other guy. You're chanting for the other guy. That's how much this crowd yeah. was into CM Punk. And I, I, I would love, just love, to speak to anyone in that crowd wearing a John Cena shirt. Mm. I would love to have just liked to interview one of them. What was it like on that night? Being you... As a John Cena fan in this arena, what was that like? I regret all my life choices. <laughs> uh, and actually, the thing I, I want to bring up with Cole that I thought I, I'm going to this probably be the last time I put over Cole here, but I am going to put over Cole a little bit here because this has got a lot of history behind this match. It's got a lot of insider baseball stuff when they're kind of talking about it. They do talk about this in a storyline perspective, but there's also kind of a lot of insider things. And Cole brings up the fact that CM Punk was once part of John Cena's WrestleMania mm. entrance mm. when they were in Chicago. And he played like a, a, a mobster, a Chicago mobster. And I remember watching that WrestleMania 
And it, you, Punk is very clear on camera. And me and my buddies all went, CM Punk. Like, just, like, stunned and shocked because at that time it was before ECW had come back, so he was in FCW and stuff like that. So we were just like, oh, my God, it's CM Punk. I mean, it makes sense. It's in Chicago. Mm. Um, and Cole brings this up and says, like, this was a guy who was gone only a few years ago to being part of John Cena's entrance at WrestleMania. And now here he is and the main event in his hometown fighting against John Cena for the WWE Championship. And he's going to leave the company tonight. Well, that's that's one of the. Uh, I, I'll come on to that call later because I thought I'm gonna I'm gonna say a, a, a give give Cole some props as well. I thought he had a terrific call at the end of the match. Uh, but yes, the actual match, the uh, the ring announcers go. That uh, both men are announced in the red corner, in the blue corner, whatever. And the first move after feeling each other out is a punk hip toss on Cena, and the place erupts for a hip toss. Uh, both men immediately go for each other's finishers, which was a nice way to tell the story. Uh, the, again, the Let's Go Cena, high-pitched. Uh, Cena sucks. There was bits of Cena mm-hmm. sucks, which is low, and that goes on for ages. Uh, crossbody, but there was a lot of botches here. That's the thing. So usually when Meltzer gives a five-star uh, rating for her matches, and he, and he said this in times, it's got to be a flawless match. Mm. There can't be any mistakes in there. But watching this match, Mac, Watching this, th- th- watching this match back, you botched. I botched it. Yeah, h- hilarious. There are quite a few botches in there. Like that mm. crossbody's not the only botch that's in this match. But they, it really, this particular botch. I think a few of the botches actually add to the realism of the story. And again, well done, announcers. They made a thing of this. So it's a crossbody off the top rope onto Cena, and Cena, rather than falling straight back, kind of like sits down on thin air. So his legs are extended in front of him and Punk kind of he lands on Cena's yeah. uh, quads. And then afterwards, Cena kind of very subtly starts selling the leg. Yeah. Doesn't like go, oh, doesn't hold it. He just gets up and he shakes it a bit. Yeah. And like, oh, that's nice. And they, they continue to talk about the knee later on. Uh, a, a spot that you never see. It's always teased. And that is someone's on the apron. Someone's in the inside. Uh, the guy on the apron is going to suplex the guy on the inside over, but the person on the inside reverses it and suplexes them in. They go one further, and Cena actually hits a suplex outside over the apron and onto the, the bit outside. Nuts. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. Right in front of uh, Cabana and Steel, and I, I think it was uh, Punk's mum. I think it was, because he goes yeah. out and he gives her a hug before the match starts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you just never see that spot. That was that was like immediately. It was like that's a really cool. That's a cool spot. Uh, Punk reverses a uh, an attitude adjustment, but he's meant to land. So when Cena goes to flip him over, he's obviously meant to land on his feet. But CM Punk just kind of lands on his ass. Yeah. At which Cole says he landed on his feet. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it was so he landed. His feet, yeah. his ass touched the floor before his feet did. There's another point I wanted to make about the commentary as well uh, in this, and I think it's Jerry Lawler in particular is the is the the the, the criminal in this uh, instance. And I can see where he's coming from, and I can very much hear it's the voice of Vince. And it's kind of sort of where this storyline t- t- sort of falls apart a little bit in terms of the story that they want they're trying to tell. And Lawler keeps saying, "I don't understand these fans." They're all cheering for CM Punk. They want CM Punk mm. to win this match. He's going. 
He doesn't care about anyone in this building. He is leaving once this match is over. So why are people cheering for him? And I want to go like, Jerry, because it's awesome. Yeah. Because if he goes somewhere, this this storyline is going to be the best thing ever. That's why we're that's why we're yeah. all cheering for because him. Because everyone oh. here is in a very weird state of loving wrestling. You're the only wrestling game in town, and we hate you for it. Yeah. And this guy is our avatar for that. And there is a really awkward moment as well when he does say, like, what's he going to do when he leaves? Like, he's got nowhere to go. And I'm like pretty sure his pipe bomb promo he said he was going to get a ring of honor in new japan like there are places for him to go jerry lol let's stop pretending there aren't so uh that they keep on having the match still great match and uh we have our next botch which was cena is on at least i'm pretty sure it was a a botch cena's on the ropes and punk does his high knee knee. i'm not sure this is a botch but he hit it snug they showed a replay and he fully connects his knee into Cena's face. And they slow it down. They do a full slow-mo shot of it. He knees Cena mm. right in the face. Really hard. Really hard. And uh, then they continue to go back and forth as opposed to getting heat on someone for ages, just like I mentioned in the previous match. And then you had an attitude adjustment reversed into a go-to-sleep, reversed into the STFU. Yeah. The, what What's he called? Yeah, the, S- uh, the STF. Yeah, the STF, sorry. <laughs> uh, which was a great counter sequence. And Punk is in the STF for ages. And then I'm like, well, that was a really good sequence. And then Punk somehow reverses it into the Anaconda Vice. And at that point, the crowd start, a few members of the crowd start yeah, yeah, yeah. banging the uh, the barrier, which is an old ROH thing. Yeah, yeah, it's the uh, ROH thing again. Yeah, because they've got the metal barriers where they can bang them. Uh, Punk then kicks out of a, a, an AA. Uh, Cena leg drops. Well, he goes for a leg drop. This is another botch uh, off the top rope, you know, where he does his weird I'm sit down. I'm so pull. glad he doesn't do this move anymore. There are two moves that I'm glad yeah. Cena doesn't do anymore this and that springboard stunner. Well, ever since someone photoshopped Cena doing that midair onto a toilet, <laughs> I've never been able to unsee him sitting down like that. It's just the. It's, it looks so uncomfortable <laughs> to take and it just always looks awful. Mm. So Cena goes for this, this leg drop and Punk. It looks like he's meant to powerbomb him, but he kind of just fall. They both fall yeah. over. Uh, then, then Cena does hit it, and he goes to pin Punk, and Punk kicks out. And at this point, Cena sits up, and he's he's laughing, bemused to himself. He's like, "What do I have to do?" And then he so he picks himself up, and he's trying to stay focused, and he starts shadow boxing in the corner. And it's like this is really cool. Punk is Punk is out, and Cena cannot beat him. Uh, it, and at this point, it's thirty minutes in. Yeah. A long match, and none of that felt like a, a second had gone by. I was going to say, I, I don't want to reveal, pull too much behind the curtain to reveal the true wizard here. I have written virtually no notes for this match because I could not take my eyes off the screen. Mm. I was so engrossed in in doing this. I just I didn't want to miss a certain thing. I I think I said this at the start, but I haven't watched this match back since I saw it live in 2011. What really? So this is like my first time watching it back since then. And I mean, yeah, aside from like the, I mean, when we'll come on to like overall thoughts and everything, but I just couldn't take my eyes off of it. Mm. I have a tendency to get drunk and go home. Like when I want to stay out and everyone's like, no, we're going home. I'm like, well, fine, screw you guys. I'll go home. I sort of pick up one of those mini bottles of whiskey yep. from my corner shop and then watch this match <laughs> and fall asleep. So I'm quite familiar with it. It just makes me feel awesome. Yeah. Like, you know, this was the last time oh, I, I really yeah, believed in a wrestler. I get it. Uh, so at 30 minutes in, uh, Cena hits an AA, and it's such a close kick out. And I know what's happened in the match. When I rewatched it for this podcast, 
I, I almost poured into a second that Cena was winning. Uh, Punk turns a super AA, so one off the second rope, I believe it was, into a Frankensteiner off the top rope. Uh, Cena, but really smartly, rolls all the way across the ring. Mm -hmm. So Punk can't immediately capitalize on it with a pin. Then Punk hits the GTS, and this is another masterstroke of the match. But Cena falls out of the yeah, ring, falls and, through the middle rope. Do you know? And it's Punk's reaction to that, where he's just clawing yeah. at him to try and grab him. He's got like him a straight hand, yeah. and, he's like, and his face his is just face like, oh, oh no. that was it, that was my chance. And that's the moment when Vince McMahon and John Laurinaitis walk out. And why was Johnny Ace with him? To take the bump. <laughs> to take the bump because yeah. Vince can't take the bump. Yeah. So and then Punk's just so after just missing. Uh, Cena keeping him in the ring after this GTS. Vince and John come out and Punk is still looking up there as he's getting Cena back in the ring. And he's like shaking his head at them. Don't you dare come down here. And Vince... Uh, but when Punk gets back in, Cena immediately gets him in the SDF. And Vince is like, go down, go, go on, quick, go, quick, yeah, quick. Yeah. Laurinaitis runs down to, you know, to do the Montreal screw job to ring the bell. And Punk... Uh, sorry, Cena slides out really quick and decks Laurinaitis. Decks him hard. Like that was a stiff punch. And yeah, like you said, the reason Vince didn't take it was because he could take the bump. Can't at the take time. the bumps at the time, which is crazy considering <laughs> what he did with Kevin Owens just a, a month ago. And uh, yeah, he's future father-in-law as well <laughs> at that point, uh, John Laurinaitis. So Cena's yelling at Vince: "A man wins this fight. Yeah, a man wins this fight. We're not going to do it this way. Yeah, we're, we're not, not going to do it this way." And uh, I, I, it did kind of sound. I thought he could have had a better choice of words because it did kind of sound like. Punk's winning this fight. What are you trying to do? <laughs> He's meant to win the fight. We talked about this it's in the back. Remember, this is all predetermined, it's Vince. Not, you come up real. with all this. <laughs> he signed. He signed a contract ages ago. Uh, so Cena says all that. He gets in the ring. Punk hits the GTS right away. One, two, three. The crowd goes insane. I go insane in my bedroom when I'm watching this. Oh, my word. They did it. I cannot tell you how excited me and my buddy were at this time. This is like, so we're watching this in the UK. At this point now, it's about 4 a.m. We have annoyed his, well, now his wife, no end because we have been shouting all throughout this match. We are hammered by this point because we've been drinking throughout the pay-per-view. So we are just rowdy and rabid. Though that loud guttural noise throughout the arena, that was happening in my friend's very small flat. Mm. And when... When they did that very close AA, the, the big, very close kick out, when Vince came out, we were popping for that. We popped for the STF, but we popped so hard for that three count. Yeah. It was everything we wanted it to be and so much more. Yes. And and then and then it and then it doesn't end there. Yeah. Like, it doesn't end that's there. The, that's the master trick. Because like you look sometimes you look at this and you go, Well, that's overbooked. On paper, maybe that's overbooked played perfectly and so these crazy celebrations Vince goes over to the headset uh, the, one of the announcers headsets and starts speaking through it I guess the crowd can't hear what's going on no. but we can and Vince is uh, just saying but cut the music cut the music get him out there get him out here get Del Rio get out. Del Rio out here and it takes a while yeah, like the, there's a long because pause. The, and that's where the crowd start to go a little quiet because they're waiting for what's next. They're yeah. like, what's it? What's what's the next move? Punk's confused. It genuinely felt like someone is running back around the locker room, finding Del Rio. Yeah, Del Rio gets ready and then comes out. I mean, he was obviously just waiting. In really, yeah. But it did feel like that that natural passage of time. So Del Rio runs out, no music, makes it feel even more real. Slides into the ring, 
doesn't get a chance to cash in his briefcase because Punk kicks him right in the face. Cole says, right hand. <laughs> oh, it, was, Michael it, was Cole. A, it was a kick. Uh, and then Punk grabs his freshly won WWE championship and runs through the crowd, mm. but not before blowing Vince McMahon a kiss on the barricade. What an ending. Like, I, we popped huge when Del Rio came running out and then, like, because we were like, oh my God, they're going to cash in because in our heads... We didn't know that Punk had signed. Yeah. You know, it's amazing. You can look back on hindsight now and like, oh, it's obvious that Punk had signed. Didn't know Punk no, had signed no, at no, that point. No, not so at all. I was like, this is what they're going to take. They're going to have Del Rio win it, and that's how they're going to keep the belt yeah. in the company and yeah. not have. And when Punk left, we were like, I don't know where this story is going. I don't. I, until I don't the last know what's going to happen next. Yeah. I, I love this match. Mm. And as I said, I've taken no notes in this. My only note in capital is just that match effing ruled. Mm. Botches aside, because it was botchy in places, more botchy than a CM Punk match usually is, and a John Cena match usually is. It's a long match, matter. though. It's a long match, but the story they told within it, and the emotion that was told within that match, and the crowd reaction, and sometimes the commentators, but Vince was great, Johnny Ace was great, Cena was great, Punk was great, the crowd were great, the whole package together. Yeah. It's why this is. It's thought of to be the greatest main event that WWE have done in recent memory. It's it, the twists and turns. The the one thing I would say is that Punk that the end shot. So it goes on for about two minutes of just Punk in the crowd and Vince looking sad in the ring. Yeah. It ends on Vince looking sad in the ring. Well, this is the key to it. So, and I I would prefer it to have ended on Punk in the crowd with yeah, everyone cheering. I absolutely agree. And uh, I mean, I'm gonna I need to find. I've got a notes here from a uh, from a figure four. Um, yes. Yeah, so this is Brian Alvarez writing about the figure uh, writing figure four. So after this, so the, I watched the the Raw after this because I don't think I'd ever seen that episode. I've read about it, but I don't think I've ever seen it. And it's essentially them crowning a new uh, WWE champion. And they've got people in this, like, Truth's in it and Miz is in it and this stuff. And it builds up towards Miz versus um, Rey Mysterio. That's the final of this tournament, this one-night tournament. And that match never takes place because Vince McMahon comes out and tells both guys to go to the back because he's got an announcement to make. And it's building into John Cena being fired. So Vince is doing this, and he's, he's telling the story about how we need to fire Vince. Uh, we need to fire Cena, and now he's not mentioning Punk. There's no mention of Punk throughout it. He makes a very point. We're not going to mention that man's name ever again in this company. And then Triple H comes out, and that's the big return. Triple H is here, and Triple H says that the board of directors have voted in no confidence, and we're removing you from power. And it's at this point here when you suddenly realise this storyline isn't about CM Punk anymore. It's about Vince McMahon and Triple H. And Brian Elvers uh, wrote here, um, and this is the figure four after Money in the Bank. One very important thing to note, as much as people have loved the punk storyline and as much as it clearly was box office success giving Money in the Bank, the reality is that this is still considered, it's not considered the most important thing in WWE internally. Yes, they shot some stuff at Comic-Con, and yes, he did the stare down with Cena at the end of the show, but they made it very clear on SmackDown, the biggest story of the week was Vince McMahon giving up power to Triple H. And this is where the whole thing falls down. Well, I don't want to talk about that, because the beauty of that final shot, well, the penultimate shot of Money in the Bank is the possibilities. And we all know that it didn't follow through, Mm -hmm. uh, and they dropped so many balls. Kevin Nash, what the hell? Yep. But this, for one night at least, 
what a what a moment. I completely agree. And, uh, could I, so oh, oh, no, no, you, no, you go on. Well, I was going to say that Michael Cole call yes. that uh, I brought up earlier, and that is one of the last lines of the pay-per-view as, as Punk is exiting through the crowd, and Cole just says, in one hour, 14 minutes, CM Punk is no longer an employee of WWE. That's so great. And he sounds absolutely crestfallen. crestfallen. And it's just, what a cliffhanger. Yeah. What a cliffhanger. Absolutely, what a cliffhanger. Fun. And they fell off it. <laughs> Interesting fact for you. This is Dave Meltzer from the Wrestling Observer. Still, between the idea Punk had left as champion and what that meant, combined with Cena having been fired, a stipulation that no one believed, the rating for Raw was only 3.2. Mm. which had to be a huge disappointment. Which is incredible when you think about this. You, the amount of interest this match had, no one tuned into Raw to see how it followed up. And mainstream interest as well. A lot yeah. of, lot of uh, this brought in a publications. Lo- this brought in a lot it, yeah. of old wrestling fans coming back into the product for this storyline that they had suddenly become interested in. Mm. As I said, like when Punk cut that promo, I had a lot of people at work coming up to me saying, like, is it real? Yeah. Was this a shoot interview? And... It really is interesting then that no one tuned into Raw following this. Mm, it is weird, but that uh, that's that's our first patron exclusive podcast. This how was fun. fun. How fun was that? that well, was it was a good paper. I mean, it's one of the best pay per views WWE have <laughs> well, ever done. That was going to be my question: Is this the best pay per view WWE have ever done? I don't know. Oh, it's it's t- that's a big question. I couldn't answer that. But that's what everyone says. Like this, and it's kind of considered to be. The greatest pay-per-view that WWE have ever done. That's what uh, yeah. Meltzer and both Brian Alvarez called it. At I, the time I would of say it's it's my joint favorite of all time with SummerSlam 2000. With SummerSlam 2000. See, and I I kind of agree. I I look back on this show. I think the main event is amazing. I think the, the Christian Randy Orton stuff is brilliant. I love the SmackDown Money in the Bank ladder match. But the the Big Show Mark Henry wasn't as great as their previous encounters. The Divas match is horrendous, and the Raw uh, SmackDown uh, the Raw Money in the Bank match it's chaotic but never made me think like man live that's like match of the year candidates so is this the greatest pay-per-view of all time i don't think it is but it's certainly one of the best pay one of the certainly one of the best pay-per-view main events in the last 10 years of wwe i still think i still maintain to this day that wrestlemania x7 is wwe's greatest pay-per-view ever well, yeah, that's that's uh, that's the Patreon exclusive podcast in the bag, number uh, one. Number one. So we're going to put up the poll uh, very soon. We're going to put up uh, this week, probably into next week now, where you're going to vote for what you would like us to cover for the next Patreon podcast. It's a bit uh, October, hopefully a bit spooky Halloween. Mm. Halloween havoc. I'm hoping it's a Halloween havoc. Uh, but yeah, thanks for doing. I guess uh, everyone who's listening to this is, has given us money. So thank thanks, you, so, guys. Thank you so much. Cheers. We we can't do this sort of thing without you, and we wouldn't do it with without you well there'll be no point <laughs> this is an exclusive patreon thing we'll be talking to nobody yeah but uh yes uh this has been luke owen i've been ollie davis and that was patron exclusive podcasting Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.